Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag 3, whoever he is. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this This is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to prove Bitch, you got coronavirus. I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives a feeling and a feeling. I believe in the faith that grows. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? We still have a number of people who have not been vaccinated and we are urging them to get vaccinated. At what point does the administration acknowledge these people aren't going to get the shot? They're just not going to do it. I don't believe in giving up on people, Craig. I really don't. Stop it. Let's go, Brandon. If I may, I'd like to contextualize this conversation. Sure. Which is, we are not giving up. The American people sent us here to do a job. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Um... Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? I doubt it. You are fake news. The American people are tired of women. Very fake news. I agree with that. Joe Brandon, I agree. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. You're awesome. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show, frankly. The best you can ask anyone about that. People often do. This is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hi. Hi. One of my possible black pills for 2022, averted, off the table, gone. Totally averted, though. Like, totally. Well, yes, we were we were talking specifically about the OSHA one, though it was not a perfect day at the Supreme Court. But no, indeed, that vaccine mandate on private businesses the worst, uh, the the worst trashing of the Constitution and of the uh, of the governing statutes uh, out the door, gone. Supreme Court strikes down the OSHA vaccine mandate. I, as we mentioned, I won't consider it cause for celebration necessarily. It's it's more of like a baseline status quo uh, acceptable um, state of affairs. But we will talk about the two decisions from the Supreme Court, including that healthcare mandate, uh, healthcare worker mandate as well. Uh, that one went the other way, of course. That one was upheld, and plus all of the reaction to it, in addition to uh, the rest of the week's news. Over the weekend, uh, a cheeky British chap, apparently looking for some tea and crumpets, uh, took four people hostage at a synagogue in Texas. But uh, nothing to see here. It's just typical British guy stuff. So motive unknown. Move along. We do have some more information within just the last couple hours on what's going on there. Uh, so we'll get to that early. And finally, after a year, 
more than a year, federal prosecutors bring seditious conspiracy charges against almost a dozen January 6th insurrectionists. Finally, the charges to match the rhetoric, but uh, does the evidence match the charges? We'll take a look. And whatever the case, we know who definitely did not do any seditious conspiring on January 6th. And that was Ray Apps, who... No. That old MAGA boomer man yelling, hey guys, I'm going to go to jail for this, but let's all go to the Capitol and go inside. Fed, Fed, Fed. Right, that guy. Uh, he is not a Fed. Why? Because he testified to the January 6th committee. So according to the Feds, he's not a Fed. So pay no attention to him. Nothing to see there either. Plus, got a hoax hate duo and a rare surprise cringe double feature hey, as well. Hey, it's been well. a while. Uh, so we'll get to that at the end of the show. And before we get out of here, tonight's movie review is Full Metal Jacket. So stick around for that. And of course, we will catch up with your super chats in between topics. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good low down money grabbers. We'll get to as many as we can before 11.30 p.m. Eastern. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show-related and support the show over on the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com. We have the show store up and running. We have t-shirts, we have hats, we have mugs, we have it all. Plus, of course, we have great offers from friendly, listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends over at Sonoran Defense Technologies. If you've listened to the show for a little while, you know that Sonoran Defense does the absolute best custom Glock work around. Their laser stippling not only makes for an eye catcher, but the grip feels incredible in your hand too. Their laser work is totally customizable. So whether you'd like a pretty new range toy or to spruce up a Glock that's been sitting in your safe for a while, Sonoran can shine it up nicely. Sonoran also does custom graphic laser work on AR and AK magazines as well. From highly detailed artistry to whatever your favorite meme is. But these days with the gun and ammo market, the way that they are, you might like to know that Sonoran's custom laser work isn't just for Glocks or guns. They can laser engrave all sorts of items from knives to drinkware and more. They even laser engraved this show's artwork onto the PC I use to stream the show. So whatever your custom laser engraving needs may be, check out our friends at Sonoran Defense, um, Sonoran Defense Technologies at SonoranDefense.com. Plus, you can follow them on Instagram at Sonoran Defense for secret designs you won't see anywhere else. Sonoran Defense offers listeners of this show 10% off all their products and services using promo code G's. That's J-E-E-Z for 10% off with Sonoran Defense. You can find everything you need from Sonoran Defense Technologies, plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses, including Charity Swipes, Hero Soap Company, Phoenix Ammunition, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals, deals for listeners, by listeners. I don't have any other items, so let's hop right into the major news of the weekend, which is this standoff that's now over but still under investigation that happened at this uh, synagogue northwest of Dallas in Texas. So on Saturday morning... Yeah, I saw the headline. I've never clicked on anything faster in my whole life. Malik Faisal Akram is the man identified <laughs> as uh, the perpetrator of this attack. He's a 44-year-old British national of Pakistani descent. And he took four people hostage at uh, Congregation Beth Israel, Reform Synagogue, 30 miles northwest of Dallas. This is in uh, Colleyville. Apologies if I pronounce that incorrectly. But Akram reportedly arrived in the U.S. about five weeks ago 
via flight through JFK Airport in New York City. He was reportedly not on any watch lists uh, and traveled legally. The standoff continued for about 10 hours. Akram was demanding the release of Pakistani neuroscientist. That's how she's always characterized, at least in the news reports that I see. This neuroscientist from Pakistan named Afia Siddiqui, who is serving an 86-year federal prison sentence in Texas, nearby Fort Worth. She's been called Lady Al-Qaeda. So, you know, neuroscientist, also someone who tried to shoot a whole bunch of U.S. officials and soldiers in Afghanistan with an M4, apparently. What happened with her was... In 2008, police in Afghanistan arrested Siddiqui on suspicion of trying to attack the governor of Afghanistan's Ghazni province. When she was captured, Siddiqui was carrying notes detailing a mass casualty attack in New York City, uh, including the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, Wall Street, and the Brooklyn Bridge, according to prosecutors and court records. When she was brought uh, to a poorly lit room partitioned by a yellow curtain and crowded with Afghan officials, in 2008 to be questioned by two FBI agents and at least four members of an undisclosed U.S. Special Forces unit. She grabbed the M4 military rifle of a chief warrant officer and opened fire, federal prosecutors said. The FBI <sighs> said she was behind that curtain. Her gunfire missed everybody in the room, so she didn't injure or kill anyone. <laughs> She's got that uh, YouTube shooter accuracy. What was yeah, her name? Real. I guess she was behind oh, a yeah. curtain, though, to be fair. Uh, but this is a, according to the, the prosecutors in the case, the chief warrant officer shot her in the stomach with his sidearm, though obviously she survived. On February 3rd, 2010, a federal jury found her guilty on all counts related to the attack, including attempting to kill U.S. nationals outside of the United States, attempting to kill U.S. officers and employees, and armed assault of U.S. officers and employees as well. They really uh, sent a woman to do a man's job here. And so that that's how she got 86 years in federal prison was all of this stuff that happened um, in Afghanistan, apparently. And you may see Akram, the guy who attacked this synagogue over the weekend, refer to Siddiqui or even news reports refer to them as brother and sister. But that's, it's sister under Allah, right? It's one of those like we're ideological brothers and sisters, ideological siblings of the cause. They're not actually biological brother and sister. But as far as the hostage situation, back to what actually happened there. All of the hostages uh, were released shortly after 5 p.m. Or no, one of the hostages, rather. Sorry. One was released early shortly after 5 p.m., roughly six hours into the standoff. At about 9 p.m., an FBI hostage rescue team breached the synagogue and rescued the hostages, killing the attacker. Officials have not released details on his death. I guess it's kind of implied that they shot him. Mm. But what exactly happened when they breached the facility and confronted this guy is, as of yet, uh, unreported. Um, the ho- the hostages were all adults. They were not physically harmed and did not require medical attention, according to officials. And of course, the spin cycle is um, is working hard. This guy, this uh, attacker, Akram Malik Faisal Akram, uh, it was initially reported by the Telegraph yesterday. He um he's he's a man with an English accent. There's just a there's a man <laughs> with an English accent trying to find some tea down at the synagogue and uh, they didn't have any for him. And so he had to hold them hostage. That's apparently what happened. Just a just a British guy. And well, he at, seems way less murdery than other Muslims. So in the same situation, is, so. is he? Yeah. Is he more compassionate or is he just less competent? Those are the questions probably would have been pretty easy to kill all the hostages he had ample opportunity to do it 
I haven't even seen conclusive reports about what his weaponry was, if right. anything. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. The, the reports on what specifically happened are really kind of murky at the moment. But um, the FBI is out there saying that his his demands for the release of the of, of Lady Al Qaeda, not specifically focused uh, on the Jewish community. So he just happened to go to a synagogue because maybe he lives across the street and he just wanted something convenient it did nothing to see here. Uh, so for example, when the guy shoots up the Korean spa in Georgia, that's clearly an anti-Asian hate crime, right? Yeah. When Muslim guy goes to the synagogue to hold hostages to try to get his, uh, sister in all in Allah released. It's that a has matter of convenience. Nothing to do. It was just, you know, who hasn't, who hasn't <laughs> used a synagogue as a opportunity for hostage taking really has nothing to do with who's in there. This is according to the FBI. And that's why, you know, it's like, well, anyway, I, I just don't know what to believe in all of this because almost everything in the story is according to the FBI. And as we'll get to yeah, later I in know. the show, according to the FBI is just it's as big of an asterisk as you could possibly have in any story all the time. And Lady Al Qaeda tried to kill a bunch of FBI agents. Is that what happened there? I, maybe uh, I need to re- maybe we should rethink this story. I don't know if they were FBI agents, but they were U.S. military personnel. Oh, hmm. yeah. Not uh, as base as I initially thought then. <laughs> also, in the last in the last hour, it's reported that uh, two teenagers have been arrested in the U.K. in connection with the attack. Police in Manchester are questioning them in custody. No further details, including the identities of those arrested at the moment. Uh, so. Just Wait, to it summary- took three people to plan an attack where no one was killed. Yeah. Except for the uh, perpetrator. Except for the attacker, um, <sighs> Faisal or uh, Akram, whatever his name is. He's the only one that died. Everybody else is fine, apparently. Okay. Uh, that's all I have on that story. Of course, uh, check back with that throughout the week because there's information coming in by the minute. Are um, you up to date on this, on this rust thing? I was just before our, our stream watching the, um, Viva Fry and Robert Barnes stream about this, but this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I only saw a brief report about her lawsuit this week, but Hannah Gutierrez is saying it's the fault of the ammo supplier. Yes. And, and okay, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this, but um, she's suing the, the prop supplier and claiming that they sold her live and dummy ammunition together, which led to the onset shooting. Um, but she also left the, uh, the gun loaded with, the non blanks she thought she thought was blanks in the custody of two people that were not firearms trained while she went and did some other secondary job on the set. And so she just like in the suit, like does she way. give a reason how she knows that it was the supplier that put that mixed the dummy rounds and the live rounds? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, sh- this is what the suit says to the best of Hannah's knowledge. The gun was now loaded with six dummy rounds, um, because she just like got it out of the box. Uh, apparently that's what she ordered from the company. Indeed, mm. defendants as suppliers of prop ammunition to the rest set sold, distributed and advertised it as props, uh, its props as dummy ammunition and not live rounds. Hannah relied upon and trusted that defendants would only supply dummy prop ammunition or blanks and no live rounds would ever be on set. Okay. It's my understanding, though, that you can... I'm not super firearms, you know, up to speed, but it's my understanding that you can tell the difference between... 
Well, so there's three things in play here, and I was confused about these in the past, but just to make sure our audience um, is up to speed on what these terms mean. So you have live ammunition, which refers to what you typically think right. as ammo, right? You you have your complete cartridge, you have your bullet on the end of it, you have um, you have your propellant, you have everything that would make that gun go bang and the bullet fly out. The term blanks refers to the same sort of setup without the projectile in it. So you'll just so see you the end of the case crimped. And you'll still see a, you'll hear a bang and you'll see a flash, but there's nothing actually flying out of there. What a dummy round is, is just something that looks like the cartridge, but produces no effect. It's just a dummy prop. That's what that means. Ah, okay. So what so she's she saying been, is- she should have been able to tell. Well, it, to be as fair as, the difference between a blank and a live round or a dummy round, as far as I understand, and again, I don't handle these things regularly, but that should be the most obvious. A dummy and a live round, which is what she's talking about here, those would be more confusable because they're supposed to look as close to identical as possible, as far as I understand. And by her own admission, she um, you know, gave custody of the weapon to to two other people. They had some rule about in increments of 15 minutes, you had to recheck uh, the ammunition to make sure that nothing had changed. And she, mm -hmm. she also had violated that. She had she had lost custody at some point of the gun by her own admission in this in this uh, lawsuit. And um, and yeah, that's how this happened. It's like nobody at any level had practiced any gun safety. So I don't I, think this is going to go anywhere. I mean, maybe it's true, but does it make that much of a difference? Well, I, I would be very interested to see how she substantiates the idea that dummy rounds and live rounds were mixed in together from the supplier or the manufacturer. Whatever happened to that story that somebody had taken it to the range? Well, there's that. And also, this is coming from the same legal team, unless she's changed lawyers. The same legal team that stood up there on the Today Show and said someone sabotaged these rounds. Someone put live rounds into the dummy rounds. Now she's saying it came that way in a box from the supplier. Oh, so yeah. Those are Is different... she talking about a, a prop saboteur at the company? Right. Yeah. Like originally it was a saboteur on the set. Now it's we got a box from the supplier that had these mix and mixed and matched. And I I find that very hard to believe. I got to believe that. Well, if you're in the business of producing both um, dummy rounds and live rounds, quality control and making sure that those do not get mixed up. Very high importance. I'd imagine it's the the most important part of that job. Yeah, it's kind of like separating the allergens at the food factory. You don't put the yeah. uh, you know you don't put stuff on the same uh, conveyor belt that handles peanuts and all that sort of thing. Yeah, maybe that should be two separate companies, just in case. I, I don't know. I don't. I that I have no idea if actual ammunition companies are also manufacturing dummy rounds. I don't know. It I don't stands know. to reason if it's the if, the, if it's an identical cartridge that yes. it would be the same company. Yeah. Yeah, it should look exactly the same. It just doesn't have the effect if it was loaded into a gun and, and fired. It would not produce nothing would happen as far as I understand. It's like a, having a, a piece of rubber in there or anything else. Mm. Um, but yeah. OK. And then we also have Alec Baldwin. He finally gave up his phone after he was done recording so many videos on it. Yeah. A month after authorities secured a warrant for his phone, he finally turned it into Long Island police on Friday. Um, and they believe that it contains information about the death of the cinematographer. Although I don't, I don't really know. It, it's not going to have any information from before, uh, before he shot her. So I really don't know what difference it's going to make, but maybe there's something on there. They're going to remove all personal information. Um, they're going to do an extraction of the data and then hand the phone over to Santa Fe County Sheriff's department. 
Um, and then they said there will be some exempt information that's not considered pertinent to the investigation, attorney client privilege material, private stuff, spousal privilege information. Uh, so we'll see what comes out of this. Probably not much. So just so uh, just well, I, I need a lawyer to answer this question for me because I feel like I, I don't understand. He was served a warrant a month ago. Mm-hmm. And was there any kind of. uh restriction placed on him to say, don't mess with your phone in the meantime, or is he, he free to do whatever he wants with that phone? For I the actually last don't month? know. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that they could take, they could, they could get all the data off of it. Hmm. It's, um, it no seems like a really long period of time to have that phone in his possession. While there's a, a warrant again, that he claims he was complying with fully. Yeah. Uh, according to his videos that he made on the phone that he wasn't supposed to have. Or at least that was supposed to be the contents of which were supposed to have been surrendered to the police. Well, I, I, I've wasted enough time on this stream t- trying to analyze the antics of Alec Baldwin. So probably just carry on from there. Um, but there's also updates in the Waukesha case, the uh, Christmas parade massacre back uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. What's yeah, going on so there? We had heard that this Daryl Brooks Jr. fella, that he had beat up his girlfriend the previous day. We knew that. We had talked about it before. Because um, he was out on bail for allegedly punching her in the face and running her over with his Red Ford escape on November 2nd. And then the day before this, he gave her another black eye. Um, and then minutes before, I think he uh, beat her up again and split her lip. Okay. And so they were fighting and everything like that. Well, and so then that- he... He drove that's, the car through the... That's new to me, because last I heard, back when this happened, they were speculating that he was involved in a knife fight before the attack. So this adds clarity to what happened right before Yeah, he, he just got into a terrible fight with his um, girlfriend. I shouldn't even yeah. call it a fight. He uh, just beat the hell out of her. Okay. Um, so anyway, prosecutors have filed 71 new charges, uh, including first degree recklessly endangering safety with the use of a dangerous weapon, hit and run resulting in death, felony bail jumping, and misdemeanor domestic abuse yeah he's being held five million dollar <laughs> tacked bond. on punching his girlfriend on yeah top and of- you punch your girlfriend <laughs> yeah i mean i guess you got to i probably shouldn't laugh but it just seems insane to say 70 charges including how many cases of murder like six and then uh, attempted murder for I, 50 plus yeah i don't know all the charges but they're they're a lot and they're very serious and then you tack on the domestic abuse Man. Well, she's probably pretty pissed off. I guess. Maybe not as pissed as some people, though. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, there's more information from, uh, well, a couple pieces of, you could call them Fauci revelations. It's just more pieces of evidence stacked on the pile I know. that this guy knew a lot of stuff or had reason to know a lot of stuff that he denies under oath that he ever had knowledge of. Starting Being validated with, has become so anticlimactic in the current political climate. Like everybody's opinion on Fauci is so sad. So it's not that these document, these new documents aren't important. They are. But I just don't know how many people exist who would be persuaded against Fauci by the new information. Nobody. And people who are surprised by this information who are critical of Fauci up to this point. Yeah. So the House Republican Oversight Committee, um, they released these emails showing that Fauci concealed information about COVID-19 originating from the Wuhan lab, which we already knew, and then intentionally downplaying (laughs) the lab leak theory publicly. So they have a list of um, of the emails in the appendices. I pulled out some of the important ones, but this was February 2nd, 2020, and Fauci was CC'd 
This is from Mike Farzan, who uh, discoverer of the SARS receptor. And he said, he's bothered by the furin. Is that how you say it? Furin site? I probably sound like an idiot. And has a hard uh, time uh, explaining that as an event outside of the lab, though there are possible ways in nature, but highly unlikely. So already by February 2nd, Fauci and other scientists are like, there's no freaking way that this came out of nature. Like this came out of the lab. Uh, and then there was a response same day from Bob Gary. I really can't think of a plausible natural scenario where you get from the bat virus or one very similar to it, where you insert exactly four amino acids, 12 nucleotide that all have to be added to the exact at the exact same time to gain this function that uh, that and you don't change any other amino acid in S2. I just can't figure out how this gets accomplished in nature. <laughs> Do the alignment of the spikes at the amino acid level. It's stunning. Of course, in the lab, it would be easy to generate the perfect 12 base insert that you wanted. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's interesting, his phrasing. How did it gain this function when it definitely was not gain of function? <laughs> I know. That's not how this happened. Um, this one's pretty incriminating. This is an email from Dr. Collins to Dr. Farrar, uh, Fauci, and Lawrence Tabak. Tabak. Um, but I share your view that a swift convening of experts in a confidence-inspiring framework, World Health Organization, seems really the only option is needed, or the voices of conspiracy will quickly dominate, yeah. doing great potential to harm science and international harmony. I think there's <laughs> even some mention of China. What? International yeah. harmony was the priority at the time? I know, I know. When, or at least a priority at the time when this novel virus is running rampant throughout the group. Well, know. think of the international harmony, though. Uh, yeah, somebody specifically says we don't want to damage the integrity of the Chinese scientific community oh, in a response. And then there are a bunch of emails in April discussing ways to put down this lab conspiracy after they spent like two months talking about how uh, it's not a conspiracy and it clearly came from a lab. Yeah. Did they fire all those conspiracy theorists in their email chains? How did that yeah, work? Yeah, really. And then everybody, I'm sure, has seen this Project Veritas video, um, which I think was revelatory, but nothing's going to happen. We all knew this was gain of function research. So, military documents state that Eco Health Alliance approached uh, DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, in March 2018, March 2018, seeking funding to conduct gain of function research of bat borne coronaviruses, and DARPA rejected the proposal over safety concerns what and kind notion, of specific safety concerns do they have i i know and the notion that it violates the gain of function research moratorium oh, oh you don't say yeah yeah <laughs> um, just so just if people don't remember eco health alliance is the nonprofit that got a grant from dr fauci's niaid or at least the nih i can't recall um, and funded uh, or subcontracted with the Wuhan Virology Institute on bat bat virus research. Yeah. So exactly. Eco, to be as clear as possible, Eco Health went to DARPA, the research and development arm of the Defense Department, and said, "Hey, we're trying to do some crazy bat shit in China. You want to help us out?" And DARPA, developing military tech, draw your yeah. own conclusions about the ethics of what goes on there. DARPA was like, "No way, dude. That's too crazy. Yeah. We're, not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that." DARPA yeah. wouldn't touch it. Yep. Um, so according to these documents under the direction of Fauci, uh, they went ahead uh, with the, the research in Wuhan and at several sites across the U.S. And we remember from um, Rand Paul's interrogation of Fauci, he uh, Fauci has repeatedly maintained <laughs> that they have not been involved in gain of function research with EcoHealth Alliance. But uh, they clearly have. I didn't pull the clip, but did you see Fauci and Rand Paul this week? It's your typical Rand Paul v. Fauci thing. And I don't say that to, dis, you know, to to um, 
I, I appreciate what Rand Paul is doing. It's just, we've seen it so many times that it's like, all right, you know, I get it. Um, but Fauci for the first time said, um, this sort of misinformation is, uh, it's, ca- it's causing threats against my family. Mean people are leaving me voicemails. Well, you've ruined people's lives for the better part of well, for two years now. You know, I'm sorry that you've got some mean phone calls, but yeah, yeah dude, uh, you could you're welcome to just go away at any time and nobody's going to call you anymore. You could do that instead of advocating yeah, for do. the destruction of everyone's life all the time. You're welcome to do that anytime. But of course, he won't because he loves the attention. Anyway, uh, anything else on the uh, on the gain of function stuff? No, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Nothing is no why. a whole lot of nothing. Uh, he will. He is not going to step down. He won't be fired. He is the closest thing to a God that many on the godless left have. So they need him. He is their idol uh, in the religious sense. And so he's not going anywhere. Yeah. There's just, there's so much evidence now. People don't even really care. No, he's he's immune to that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, it's a terrible week. The only way Joe Biden could have made this week worse for himself is by firing Dr. Fauci. That's about it. But just to, Remind you, uh, remind you, within a 24 hour period this week, uh, the report on inflation from last month came out. Surprise, surprise. The transitory, except not at all transitory trend continues. We're still at inflation highs not seen in the last 40 years. Seven percent. Yeah. A Quinnipiac poll comes out and says Joe Biden is sitting at 33 percent approval. That's one poll. But even in the polling aggregations, he is looking disastrous for Democrats rolling into the midterms. Joe Biden is pushing this voting, a federal takeover of voting procedures uh, to be imposed on the states. Kirsten Sinema gets up on the Senate floor and gives a speech saying, that's great, but I support the filibuster, not undoing the filibuster. All this stuff's dead in a direct rebuke of Joe Biden. And then, of course, you had the Supreme Court striking down the OSHA vaccine mandate on private businesses. So other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Everything that could have gone wrong for Joe Biden this week has gone wrong. And uh, we won't have time to talk about them all. But I I do want to talk a little bit more about the vaccine mandate, uh, the vaccine mandates and the Supreme Court's decisions on them. I did um, I did post a video yesterday with my full thoughts on the striking down of the OSHA vaccine mandate. Uh, So you can see that video if you want all the analysis. But just to summarize what happened in that case, uh, the majority unsurprisingly went narrow so they wouldn't rock the boat too much. They're really just being specific to this uh, OSHA rule rather than talking about broad principles of federal power and who holds power between the states and the federal governments. That was a little bit disappointing, though fully expected. The dissent went fully insane, as we predicted they would last week, arguing, at least in part, this isn't even a mandate at all because you have a choice to assume testing costs. I mean, it was just they made it up. The dissent is is absolute insanity. Um, and then, uh, of course, the other big loser in this was the fact checkers for the last uh, X amount. Since this thing came out, uh, since Biden announced it in September, we've heard all the fact checkers saying, well, Jacobson versus Massachusetts. Obviously, this is constitutional. Case wasn't even cited in any opinion that the court issued because it wasn't relevant because this is about federal power. It's about the process of how laws are made. And it's about who holds the power between the federal government and the states and the fact checkers who are telling you they had this all figured out. Once again, do nothing. And they're not experts. You should never listen to them. Experts say is worse than FBI says when qualifying a story. Yeah. It means it's bullshit. 
But yeah, um, on Thursday, the Supreme Court decided against that OSHA mandate on private businesses. That was 6-3. They ruled 5-4 to uphold the CMS vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. On the OSHA case, general summary of the reasoning, the majority ruled that the federal law establishing OSHA never explicitly mentions vaccine authority. And since there's no statutory authority, OSHA can't do this. Again, notably, the court could have said the federal government has no power to do this per the 10th Amendment, which would have been a nice ruling. We didn't get that. They didn't say that. They just said a law from Congress is lacking, which means what? In theory, they're saying Congress could force you to vaccinate if they passed a law to do it. Uh, That door is left open. On the CMS case, the majority ruled the opposite. They said that Congress has given CMS the authority to impose uh, conditions on Medicare and Medicaid money um, that, quote, the secretary finds necessary in the interest of the health and safety of individuals who are uh, uh, who are furnished services. So in this case, the, the first case, they're saying there's no statutory authority here. The second case, the healthcare workers are saying there is statutory authority. Joining the three liberals in the CMS case were Roberts and Kavanaugh. So oh, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't what a seen bitch. any credit. We, we sacrificed so much for him. I, you know, it, it's like we we're talking about, was it last week or the week before? Um, if, if anyone had a little bit of license to abandon what he believes to be the correct legal application and just give him a, a stern middle finger. This was the opportunity, Kavanaugh. Really Maybe was. he's saving it for Roe v. Wade. Maybe that's what he's doing. But uh, but yeah, I haven't uh, notably among all the people who called him uh, a rapist or an attempted rapist. I haven't seen any credit. The people who called him an extremist. I haven't seen any credit for him. They don't care. Mm. So uh, the dissent in the CMS case uh, argued the opposite of that. They said that CMS only has administrative authority by statute, meaning They have authority to set ground rules for how Medicare and Medicaid are run as effectively business operations. How does that work? There's the dissent written by Thomas said they don't have statutory authority to impose a medical procedure on all the healthcare workers in the country. That's not written in the statute. That's the nature of the disagreement there. It goes the, in my opinion, the wrong way five, four, because I don't see the statutory authority either. And I don't, I don't see the federal government's role in this arena generally um, constitutionally. So it goes the wrong way, but that's, that's the status of what happened at the court. And, um, and now uh, it, it, unless Joe thinks he can get a, a Congress to write a law on this, which he can't get them to write a law on anything. This, this vaccine mandate for bi- private businesses dead. That's over. That's not happening. I can't imagine him going to Congress and saying, why don't you guys write a law on this for me? It'll never get through. I mean, maybe Nancy could pass it. Maybe it's never getting through the Senate regardless. So the whole thing is dead. Um, Yeah, this sure took a while, though. Most people are vaccinated. So who cares? And that's Joe's statement, as we'll get to. I want to get to after the Saki statement here. Joe's statement walks right up to almost saying that. Ha ha, you losers got vaccinated anyway. So suck it. (laughs) He's he's practically saying that Jen Saki didn't. But Jen Saki. She's thinking it. Yeah, she got up to the podium and um, and she said that, well, this this gives the decision back to the states and to private business. Uh, and we're going to encourage private business to carry on with mandates of their own. 
the Supreme Court's decision on the OSHA mandate essentially means that in, the, in this pandemic, it is up to individual employers to determine whether their workplaces will be safe for employees and whether their businesses will be safe for consumers. Uh, so President Biden, you'll see this in his statement, uh, will be calling on and will continue to call on businesses to immediately join those, those who have already stepped up, including one-third of Fortune 100 companies uh, to institute vaccination requirements to protect their workers, cons customers, and communities. Hmm. And Jill released this statement that starts with, like I was saying, ha ha, I don't care if it was illegal. Uh, you guys got vaccinated anyway. My administration, this is from the statement, quote, my administration began to institute vaccination requirements last July, when after months of making vaccinations free and widely available, 90 million Americans were still unvaccinated. Today, that number is down to 35 million. Right. So In I did part, the right thing. In, in part by the illegitimate, illegal use of force. And that's what is frustrating about all this. As you mentioned, there's not really any recourse for the people who were coerced into doing this, whether you're mm. you were a business that buckled to that pressure against your will, thinking they were going to come after you or whether you're someone who had his boss do that to him, trying to uh, pass that obligation off to you. If you. Yeah took this vaccine which is not really a it's it's not a band-aid that you can just take off i mean it is what it is there's no undoing that you can't go back you have no recourse Let, yeah. let's say that you have one of these very rare and statistically improbable susan adverse reactions there's really nobody that you can hold liable for that not joe biden yeah. not your boss not the manufacturer of the vaccine you can hold yourself liable for being a huge pussy though well, you know, a lot of people have a lot on the line when it comes down to protecting your family, the sacrifices that you'll make to do it. I get it. Yeah, but what's more but important man. than your health? Well, as we've talked about before, not that I, I'm saying it's the right decision or not, but fundamentally a man puts himself on the line to provide for his family. I get that. And I get the people who made that decision. But yeah. uh, but families that end up with a head of the household that dies are totally screwed. I mean, well, and, and the point is as a man, it's my job to evaluate that risk for me and for my family too. The fact that people put the fact that people in power, put those guys, put people at risk to achieve these is what's so um, immoral about all yeah. of this. Forget illegal. It's immoral too. And that's, I just, I want to emphasize that point as much as we can, because it's such an important one. The Supreme court's decision says what the vaccine mandate was illegal. It was an illegal action taken against mm -hmm. all of us. There's really no remedy for it other than taking him out of office. Congress could impeach. That's not going to happen. But the other part is um, making him the most popularly rejected president of all time. Oh, yeah. That's what has to be done. Oh, God, I guess. his approval. We're on course uh, if you believe that the public, public opinion polling is accurate and the election is as safe and secure and fortified and uh, and has as much integrity as they tell you it does. But anyway, Joe, Joe Biden's uh, statement continues. Today's decision by the Supreme Court to or uh, let me go down to this part on the OSHA mandate rather. As a result of the court's decision, it is now up to the states and individual employers to determine whether to make their workplaces as safe as possible. I love that it's as a result of the court's decision, as a result of the Constitution and federal law governing the issue. It's not as a result of the court's decision. He makes it sound like something changed. No, you betrayed the system. Right. You imposed illegal, illegitimate nonsense. That was the change. Mm -hmm. We're back to status quo. We're back to the right order of things. Oh, because of this, uh, things have changed. No, no, you're the dude who changed it. 
just twisting misrepresentation. Uh, he continues, I call on business leaders to immediately join those who have already stepped up, including a third of Fortune 100 companies and institute vaccination requirements to protect workers, customers and communities. Um, so he's back to doing what he does in other contexts, which is, well, I can't do it. I'm going to uh, strongly encourage private business to take the uh, co- the action that is unconstitutional for me to take the action that I don't have the authority to take. We'll, we'll get to some things he said about that in just a moment. But of course, they're happy about the CMS mandate as well, despite the ridiculous results that we'll get to. But Joe says today's decision by the Supreme Court to uphold the requirement for healthcare workers will save lives, the lives of patients who seek care in medical facilities, as well as the lives of doctors, nurses and others who work there. But will it actually save lives? Uh, even your views if, about the effects they fire of fire everybody that's unvaccinated and they're understaffed. It's that's clearly what's so kill insane. People. Yeah, it's like whatever your views on potential, extremely statistically rare and unlikely, Susan, side effects of the vaccine. Um, you also have the effect of yeah, not enough people to take care of you at the hospital to the point. That this is maybe the most insane, absurd thing I've seen out of all of the absurdities in this entire Uh, episode of our history headline abc news health officials let covid infected staff stay on the job okay so just to be clear um what's happening across states now is they're firing unvaccinated healthy people telling them they're too dangerous to do the job but if you're vaccinated and you have corona you tested positive you're a doctor or a nurse who has corona or other hospital staff you have corona and you can have mild symptoms you can be symptomatic you can have the sniffles you can you can be sneezing coughing they want you back on the job that's moronic your level of of symptoms is not correlated with like the severity of the disease is it I ha- or the transmissibility I- of the disease everybody's transmitting omicron everybody vaccinated unvaccinated symptomatic asymptomatic it's like oprah you get omicron you get omicron we're all getting omicron nobody's not getting it yeah and but just what an insult you know if you're the sort of person if you let's say you were a nurse who was in fact overworked last year in new york city or some place where it was a lot more crowded than say more rural parts of the country like where we live you actually did the hard work through all of this before the vaccine was even available. And they turn around and fire you and then insult you by allowing sick people to work because you wouldn't take the yeah. vaccine. Yeah. I, I, there's someone, someone explain this to me. Someone who supports this policy needs to explain it to me. How is it safer for actually sick people who are symptomatic with a highly transmissible virus How is it safer for them to be working than people who are not sick, but haven't taken your precious miracle vaccine? Yeah, they don't they don't have evidence. They just know that those people will comply to whatever dumbass mandate they can shove down their throats (sighs) in future. Yeah, I I suppose you're right. This is just a proxy for submission. It's a proxy for do as you're told. It's a proxy for controllability. That's that's probably what's next then. That's really what we should be asking. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) headlines I never thought I'd read. That's that's included in that list. And um, and yeah, Joe, Joe doesn't just want the um, the big business help in stabbing you against your will, uh, as he has for the last year. He also um, he he wants big business help uh, in censoring you, too, as Jen Psaki spoke to throughout 2021. But Joe Biden issued another statement to this effect. 
Um, during a briefing this week, Joe called on social media and media outlets to crack down on misinformation on his behalf. Unfortunately, while the military is stepping up, as they always do, there are others sitting on the sidelines, and we're standing in the way. I make a special appeal to social media companies and media outlets. Please deal with the misinformation and disinformation that's on your shows. It has to stop. COVID-19 is one of the most formidable enemies America has ever faced. We've got to work together, not against each other. Okay. Uh, no word on whether Joe will seek accountability for himself for this wild piece of misinformation. Quote Joe Biden, July 2021. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. It was on <laughs> CNN. Are they going to be held accountable? Will you call them up, Joe? Will, he, yeah, really. will you call you up about this misinformation <laughs> that you've been propagating? Waiting for the crackdown. And speaking of the crackdown, did you see the letter from distinguished scientists yeah imploring yeah. spotify to stop the misinformation coming from joe rogan on their platform 270 science and health professionals sent an open letter to spotify this week saying that the joe rogan experience broadcasts misinformation particularly regarding the covid19 pandemic the scientists urge spotify to quote take Action against mass information, mass misinformation events. So not mass formation psychosis, mass misinformation events. But they didn't mention any specific actions to take. And if you're wondering who exactly these distinguished scientists are, people have looked into uh, their identities. Uh, there are over 50 PhD academics, about 60 college professors, 29 nurses, oh, 10 college students. College professors and nurses. Oh, no. <laughs> four medical residents, and yes, even some science podcasters. So please, Spotify, do the right thing and nuke your successful podcast deal in favor of the ones that have zero listens and never will. They won't do it. I think um, they might collapse if they do. No, I, I, they're, if only as a matter of pure business, the principles aside, they're in too deep on Joe Rogan. They're too heavily invested in his success. You know, Joe Rogan has four times the viewership of Tucker Carlson. I saw some stats to that effect recently. The yeah. the numbers that he has crush not just the most popular cable news shows, but basically all of them combined. Combined. Yeah. So uh, so Spotify's hmm. Joe Rogan. He's got a lot of power. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh, and if you're wondering, the letter does specifically mention the famed Robert Malone episode uh, about mass formation psychosis. But I thought this was interesting because what was the fact check on mass formation psychosis? Not an academic term, not yeah. a psychological term. Yeah. You can't say that. Well, also, mass misinformation event is not an academically accredited term. Why isn't this misinformation? You guys aren't psychologists. <laughs> you can't say that. You made it up. Bastards. Um, and of course, all of these people who bemoan Joe Rogan's influence. I, I love it. It's not just that he's earned the audience that he has. He has. He has a compelling product. There's a reason people yeah. tune in. But the people, his harshest critics and these, these people who demand his censorship, they don't understand the degree to which they have created him. It's like, why do people thirst for content like Joe Rogan, unedited, long form, open conversation without all the bullshit? Because you guys keep trying to stop people from experiencing that. 
telling them that they're bad if they experience that or that they're only allowed to listen to this specific, highly tailored information. If you, it's really hard to misrepresent somebody in a three-hour-long forum conversation. You pretty much get the breadth of their entire belief system. Yeah, um, and that's why people like it. And you know, Joe Rogan—he's not a smart guy. He's not like a great interviewer. He basically just sits there and lets somebody talk, and that's really all people want in an interview. Yeah, I remember listening to the Bernie Sanders episode. Of course, I agreed with almost nothing, but even there, he came off better than he does say on the presidential debate stage, where mm-hmm. it's very short combative snippets and you don't really get the full understanding of his thoughts. He's still wrong. Totally wrong. He's still ridiculous. Right. But you feel you, you understand him more. You can see the perspective from which he's coming, even if you see it for uh, being as totally wrong as it is. But what I'm saying is I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed listening to that. Yeah. And I think Joe Rogan is doing something important in that he's allowing people to talk about these somewhat taboo subjects. I mean, not all the taboo subjects. He's not going to like get angling on there or something like that. But, you know, we we need to be talking about the I word and other treatments for uh, for coronavirus and the vac- people's vaccination status and everything like that. I yeah. will say Joe Rogan is still doing like a really rigorous um, testing protocol of all people that enter his building. Like he's, uh, he's yeah. bitching out in a bunch of ways. I know we're not going to talk about this, but have you been following this Joe Rogan, Ethan Klein thing? And the Jordan uh, I did Ethan see thing? it. What was it that Ethan Klein is this related to his deleting of the Jordan Peterson episodes or is there? That's or, that's unrelated. I, Ethan Klein. Oh God. All right. I, I used to love. H3 or this is just he, he called out Joe Rogan's misinfo, right? Yeah, I guess what happened was Joe Rogan. I only watched the quartering video about this. Joe Rogan randomly saw Gila, his wife, his his ugly wife. And um, she was double masked and vaccinated and he was like making fun of her and he did not know that it was Ethan's wife. And so it started this like <laughs> mass, oh, no. feud. Is that true? Or am I pulling one of these uh, one of these Jack Goldberg things where I talk about it? And I don't know anything about it. I only watched the quartering video about this, uh, but it's good for the lols. And this Jordan Peterson thing is funny, too. Uh, all, all I saw on that, whoever started what I saw the photos circulating of a what 50 something year old joe rogan in pretty damn good shape for a guy of his age versus diaper wearing ethan klein and you're supposed to listen to one but not the other about your health that don't get me wrong i don't take joe rogan as an authority on my health either but only one of them wants to control my decision making yeah and it's the diaper man so i just don't understand (laughs) this this thing that ethan klein is doing he's like uh trying to appeal to leftist now i mean he was talking about how jordan peterson is the gateway to the alt-right i was like what are you even talking about i think he's trying to capture the leftist audience that he alienated or something i don't know i'm not a great ethan klein mind i don't know what goes on over on that show so i'll have to defer but uh but before we take a break let's talk uh briefly about another joe biden disaster this week and as we mentioned, I can't believe it. When is when does the transitory phase uh, begin? We were promised the transitory phase. And again, uh, inflation has sustained at a decades long high seven uh, percent spike relative to last year. What's going on? Yeah, it jumped at its fastest pace in nearly 40 years last month. And it is a seven percent spike from a year earlier. 
Uh, I thought this spin was hilarious. <laughs> Prices rose sharply in 2021 for cars, gas, food, and furniture as part of a rapid recovery oh. from the pandemic recession. That's Vast infusions of government aid and ultra-low interest rates helped spur demand for goods, while vaccinations gave people the confidence <laughs> to dine out and travel. <laughs> oh, everything like, is just great. That sounds yeah. awesome. Um, do, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but this is exactly what happened in Weimar, Germany. Uh, everybody thought they were getting rich because of post-war economic boom. And mm. so they their houses were w- w- worth like way more than they were actually worth. And they were selling their their cars and their furniture and everything. But it was just the beginning of hyperinflation. And then all those people died of starvation. Ugh. It's like, does everybody think that this is real wealth? Uh, yeah, well, and even if it is, even if that's always the counter. Well, look at wages. Wages are rising. Yeah, but if they're if they're countered by the cost of goods right. and services that you need to buy to survive you haven't really gained anything so even if the numbers are valid you're not mm-hmm. gaining any traction yeah. if you're you know a person of typical modest means and and, and you're and a wage pe- worker economists are worried about that they're worried about inflation driving up wa- wages um and then it just is a back and forth between like yeah. wages and goods wages and goods and then yeah. you have hyperinflation okay. uh So the president issued a statement on Wednesday arguing that the drop in gas prices in December and a smaller increase in food costs showed progress. Mm. A smaller increase in food food costs. Right. Prices aren't down. They are just growing more slowly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the biggest driver of inflation, according to economists, are mismatches between supply and demand. Used car prices have soared more than 37% over the past year because of a shortage of semiconductors. Um, and supply chain constraints have driven furniture prices nearly 14% higher over the past year. And we're talking about the last year when we were in the midst of the pandemic. So yeah. this isn't even like year over year over year. This is right. just just one year back and we were already pretty deep into this. So, yeah. I'm... Well, I mentioned it last week. If you've shopped for groceries within the last couple of weeks, you've likely noticed, uh, number one, spotty stock shortages. And number mm-hmm. two, higher prices for what you usually buy. Uh, and no, we're supposed to believe that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that we've kept printing money while keeping uh, the labor force low. Oh, I know. My family thought that uh, your Seattle chickens, that that was that was hilarious. Dude, how I, you, that, I don't if, know. If, did we talk about it on the Wednesday show or was it? A I might have been show? last Sunday, but I went grocery shopping last night. There's no chicken at that grocery store. Are they still claiming it's the Snoqualmie? Sign pass? is still up. And I know that that is I know that that is part of it. There have been. Uh, road issues. <laughs> How many I-90? of your chickens are coming from Seattle? I don't know. I know, I know a lot of the chicken that we usually buy comes from a farm in Idaho. It's marked. Uh, that by an wouldn't Idaho make a farm. difference then. I don't oh, know. Good grief! I have no idea what the great chicken shortage is, but uh, but no fresh chicken for me for the time being. Ugh. But um, but yeah, it has nothing to do with the fact that um, that more dollars are chasing fewer products, which naturally and inevitably results in higher prices it's none of that the reason this is happening is because those evil overlords at big grocery have conspired to price gouge you this is according to elizabeth warren who says it's all grocer collusion that's causing all of this Uh, grocery stores have suddenly become very greedy and now what you've got is a handful of giant chains and then what happens kroger Uh, Their profits just in the third quarter of 2021 were almost $900 million. That was more than three times 
what their profits were in the same time period in 2019. If we move in on antitrust law, break up these giant corporations, then we get real competition and then we get markets that are truly competitive. That's good for small businesses. It's good for consumers. Okay. I'm not listening to anybody talk about competitive small business when they've spent the last two years advocating the shutdown of small business. It's like when Bernie is out there saying, well, Walmart has been profitable during this (laughs) pandemic. Uh, Yeah, that that is the effect of number one, shutting down smaller, potentially competitive businesses. And number two, shutting down the jobs of people where they are shutting down the place where people earn their money, meaning they have less means, less ability to buy. So they go what? Where goods are are cheaper. Walmart. Are cheaper. Exactly. You funneled all the business to Walmart and then you complain that Walmart made money. Get the hell out of the way. You want to talk about fostering competition. Get the hell out of the way and stay out of the way. But they can't. Uh, but but why did grocers what changed? Because because I can we can sit here and say, um, Within the last couple of years, you know, we've created, we've printed a lot of money and then we've stopped people from producing things. So we have less goods going around. We have more dollars chasing them, which means what? It takes more dollars to purchase them. That's a plausible reason why prices have changed now. What's their explanation for why they suddenly became greedy today? Today. They didn't realize this five years ago, 10 years ago, that they could just gouge us all. And as a matter of, of, of fact on the market share, she's just not even close to right. So this is according to uh, Business Insider reporting last year. Market share in the grocery sector is actually pretty widespread. She references Kroger, and it's true that Kroger has the second largest um, share of the market to Walmart in the country. And that's at nine, but that's 9.9%. Under 10% is the second biggest player in the market. The next 25 or so largest grocers all have 5% or under mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. grocery market. So nobody, not even Walmart, which is sitting at just a little over 20% of the, the market share, has close to majority. So even if a few did actually collude, let's say Costco, Kroger, and Walmart all get together to what is that, collude like 30% to gouge. Yeah, it's, it's not even close to a majority. Yeah. So I'm not, obviously I agree that monopolistic behavior is damaging to competition but are we looking at monopolistic behavior are we looking at a monopolistic market right here no of course not uh, everyone's going it. to have to raise prices of goods obviously yeah uh if and you then have why- to raise raise wages to keep up with inflation then why wouldn't you have to raise the cost of goods it's retarded why would anybody I, think that i don't because it's just some magician who sets the prices of all these things. And then what explains like what explains the used car market? All those uh, those used car salesmen, they've figured it out. They yeah. they look just and laugh. now they've they always say, historically they've been so honest, you know, yeah. <laughs> Walmart. They look at Walmart and laugh and say, ha, you guys have only figured out how to gouge seven percent. But we've figured out 40. Why don't yeah. you gouge harder like us? <laughs> it's like and even if you're not persuaded by the matters of fact, um, anybody who looks at, Liz, at Elizabeth Warren and says giving that lady more control mm-hmm. on the levers of power of our economy, that'll solve it for us. Disaster. Absolute disaster. Hopefully yep. she never hopefully she leaves the Senate post haste, but that probably won't happen either. Well, uh, I want to talk about uh, Kamala's disaster interview, but uh, we should take a break before we do that and catch up with some chat because we are at the top of the hour. Sure. So let's check in. Um, we're good on D live. Thank you guys who are watching over on D live. 
And I can get tippy stream unless you're ready to go on YouTube. I'm ready to go. Uh, Bill Biz, check out Christy Gnome's State of the State speech. Excellent on a lot of topics, eliminating fees on CCW permits and uh, state is paying for federal background checks. No cost to citizens. I like some of the things she has to say, but at the end of the day, no women in politics. So I don't. She did get weird on the transgender sports thing, although I think she came around on that later. What, what was she saying about it? She initially opposed a bill that passed in South Dakota to ban men, males participating in female sports. It Was it because it would um, destroy female sports? That would be awesome. She said that it was because the NCAA had told them there would never be any events in South Dakota again. So the implication was that she buckled to the NCAA's mm-hmm. threat and but I think I think she actually came around on that or something uh, happened later. So I would check back on that. I did see some speculation that she might run for Senate. She is currently running for reelection, I believe, as governor um, running for It's speculated she might run against John Thune, incumbent senator. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hold on. Mulray, Batman raised two good topics on Wednesday. One uh, is belief essential. And two is Christianity young. Both are linked. Sin is an old problem and Christ is the solution from the beginning. He is all um, through the OT. Uh, yeah, we did have a good discussion with Batman on Wednesday about that. That was toward the end of the call segments. I think he was an hour the and a half call. into the show. Yeah. If people want to listen back. To our Thank you for uh, that. voice of the movie intro bit, Batman, who's always calling in, wanting to talk morality and black pills and, um, you know, all the complexity of the universe. Could he even deliver a white pill with that with that voice? I don't think so. No, his perspective suits the voice for sure. He does. He's got yeah. a villainous voice. Daniel Kunkel, hoping the judicial will save us from executive or legislative overreach is a gamble at best. And they keep on trying. Our consequences needed removal from office after so many bills get struck down. Are consequences needed? I, at bare minimum, I wish we looked at determinations of unconstitutional behavior against the executive or against Congress or against any government official with a little more scorn. We should look at it as criminal behavior. We should look at it for what it is, which is a betrayal of your oath to uphold the Constitution. And I understand that sometimes there's a little gray area and you think, well, I'm going to test the boundaries of what I can and can't do. They knew. They knew this was not constitutional. It had no legal basis. And I, I will always refer back to what they did in the eviction moratorium as demonstration that they don't care. They also knew in that case because the court had previously said it. And they didn't care and they did it anyway because they think, well, if we can do what we want for like a month or two while this is getting litigated, then we at least get kind of what we want, even if we know it's unconstitutional. That disregard for the Constitution, that disregard of their oath, even if you don't, even if you think the Constitution is flawed, even if you think that's imperfect, it's a it's a willful admission of dishonesty. They took an oath that they betrayed. Yep. And that should get a lot more public scorn than it does, if not actual punishment as a deterrence. Well, I hope people grow a pair. I mean, I don't think anything's going to happen. No, uh, other than the election. But I, we're through one of the black pill tests. They are going to get absolutely rocked in November. And I don't say this with any sort of delusion that the ballot box is going to uniquely save us from the situation we're in. It is a tool and not one that I want to neglect. It's a, it's a tool that should be wielded. But... um. But yeah, I think they're going to get absolutely wrecked and that will be a piece of encouragement too. If it's anything other than that, uh, I have some serious questions. 
Uncephalize. My wife delivered our fourth and last a week ago. Welcome, Emmett. And woman, you are a rock star. I love you so much. And you make me beautiful babies. Oh, well, congratulations. But never say last. You can't say sometimes, you know, sometimes it's yeah. Yeah. sometimes your doctor is like, you can't have any more kids. (laughs) Um, I bought PN. No, no. Thank you. Robin D. Banks. Matt and I once made pasta. He said he wasn't a fed and insisted on coming inside, but wouldn't go himself. Oh, no. Wait, my bad. That was Ray Epps. (laughs) <laughs> Ryan, yeah. uh what's your theory fed, of the fed, fed, Ramsey fed, case? Fed, fed. i love Sorry. this one uh, uh fad um i think that she wet the bed and then her mother lost it and beat her to death and then the father uh helped like cover up the body and write the note and everything like that. Or the father was molesting her and the mother caught the father molesting her. I know almost nothing about the case. I know she was abducted from a Colorado home. She was a, one of those like pageant girls. She but wasn't as far abducted. As the, she was found in the basement. Oh, I thought she, home. okay. So that shows how little I know about it. I barely And there was like it. a crazy note that the parents clearly wrote. I think they were responsible. Some people think the brother was responsible, but I haven't seen a lot of uh, okay. support in that direction. Yeah, I don't, I just, uh, I haven't paid enough attention to that one or haven't, that happened when I was really young and I haven't gone back as an adult and evaluated it. I have no idea. Really sad case. Um, Rye, read that one. Uh, Pea sauce. I've held out until now, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to get the Fauci ouchie. Oh, to attend mm. my brother's wedding in D.C., at least we won this fight at the federal level. You're getting the vaccine to go to a wedding? I, as far as I know, the city of D.C. mandates everywhere now. You can't even go to this nation, to the country's capital, without showing your papers to get into these public places. So I wonder, I wonder if this is a situation where it's all been set up and this vaccine mandate comes down with terrible timing and you're too you're in too deep and you got to do what you got to do. I don't know. Maybe it's a situation like that. Judging you, peace sauce. King I'm Legion. sorry to hear it, but uh, but, you know, congrats to your brother and congrats to your family. Yeah. Can't you just zoom in or something like that? You don't need to go to this wedding. Come Might have in. an important role if it's a brother, though. So vaccine worthy. Well, um, I'd be like, you need to have your wedding somewhere where I can go without getting vaccinated or I'm not going. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it all played out. I don't know who's forcing home in that situation. Weak. Uh, King Legion switched from a paralegal to trucking, and I'm loving it so far. I've been watching for a long time, and with my deleting of all my social media, it's nice to catch up on things with y'all. Thank you both. Thank you. We well, do need yeah, more can, truck drivers, so good for you. Desperately. Please go to mm-hmm. Seattle and get some chicken for me and drive yeah. it back down I-90. Get those hipster chickens and bring uh, them to Skag and Boone. <laughs> Congra- uh, congratulations on the new job. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll give us a listen while you're driving those many hours. Thanks for tuning in. Boogeyman917. Thanks as always for doing it live. Cheers. We always do it live. Uh, thanks for keeping thank us on the air. Daniel Feely. Uh, what do you both think of Nick Fuentes? I know that Nick Fuentes doesn't like me, but I find him irresistibly adorable and right about almost everything. He has a biting wit uh, and a, just an ability to just put women in their place like nobody has ever seen. <laughs> that thing with Sidney Watson was was so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. I don't think that he's um, I don't have a problem with him. I'm not sure that he's my content stylistically or perspective wise, strictly speaking. I don't, it's not like I have some hatred for him or something. Yeah. Um, Did I, you see I, to that be honest, interaction he had with Sidney Watson? Uh, that was the one I saw He's that like, circulating people. That was she was asking him about like being with a woman married. or something. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, um, well, how do you know that, you know, 
he said something about obligatory marriage. He's like, I don't really want to get married, but I guess I'll, I'll I will if I because I want to have kids and stuff. Just like, well, how do you know if you haven't ever dated and you haven't been with a woman? Like, how how do you even know how to deal with women? And he said, I'm dealing with one right now, aren't I? <laughs> He's very funny. I really like him. Bobby Collins. I'd be willing to bet I know Blonde's favorite line from the movie. Uh, you don't you don't know me. Ugh, this movie. Um, well, well there are a lot it. of good lines to pick, so there we'll, are, we'll get there to are. that later in the show. Uh, did I tell you that I accidentally watched We Were Soldiers thinking that that was the movie? So yeah, I had to watch I fig- two Vietnam movies this week. Yeah, I figured we'd talk about that. I didn't put it in the notes, but yeah, uh, we could talk about it now, I guess. I get a I get a Skype message, what, yesterday or the day before? The yeah. movie this week is We Were Soldiers, right? Yeah, <laughs> no. and you're like, no. <laughs> it is, uh, it is uh, Full Metal Jacket, but at least you got to watch Mel, uh, Mel Gibson movie, huh? He doesn't appear nude, so what's the point? Um, hmm. Whiskey Hound, I am one of two soldiers in my entire company who's unvaccinated. Nothing happens. Anyone wanting to join the military, don't listen to their lies. You'll regret it if you give in. Well, so I'm no, gonna, there's been no punitive okay. action taken against. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sending me an email, uh, I'm you know only if you're comfortable. I don't, but I, I I've heard from a lot of people in the military who have had coercive action taken against them. I've not for, heard from anybody who has refused and not had any sort of punishment. So I'd love to hear that story if you want to send me an email. Um, let's circle back around here. Okay, uh, let me catch up on Tippy Stream before we do. We'll hop into the news again right after that. Over on Tippy Stream, if I can find my place and it's impossible navigation system, Captain Norway says, YouTube gave me a looking for something different, get video recommendations beyond what you usually watch link. And I was expecting some BLM gay nonsense. Instead, I got Lotus Eaters, Sydney Watson, Elijah Schaefer, and other base channels. Well, I'll be. I haven't had a um, an actually useful YouTube recommendation in ages. I can't remember oh, the last one. Long Dong John says Matt and I once made love at boot camp. He's the kind of guy who'd fuck a person in the ass without even having the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. But I'm so ugly. I could be a modern art masterpiece. So I'll take what I can get that line. Those, of course, are full metal jacket lines. Um, That line about you're so ugly. You could be a modern art masterpiece. That made me think of you when he said that one. Sid says, do not consider this ruling a win. Healthcare workers will still be deemed unworthy of bodily autonomy by our government. If you do not have control of your own body, you are a slave. Um, Point taken. And I do find it uh, awfully glaring since the court is considering the uh, constitutional right to uh, bodily autonomy or the constitutional right to privacy, as they've interpreted it with regard to abortion. Uh, None of those uh, arguments that are so passionately defended by the left third of the court uh, they don't seem to care about that in this context so you have a right to medical privacy that includes an abortion you do not have a right to medical privacy that includes your own decision making on vaccines yeah again just like the decision to allow symptomatic infected healthcare workers back into the hospital make it make sense explain to me how those ideas are compatible and how you can hold both of them together not just simultaneously but passionately and simultaneously defending them both with vigor. Yep. I'll never understand. Nuncle Huck. I once again, I can't do it. Knuckle hunky buck. It's a tongue twister. First, they came for the socialists, but I did not speak because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, but I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, but I did not, (laughs) but I did not speak out because what's you. Come on, man. (laughs) I, 
thought you were going to complete the quote. You just made a joke that I can't repeat on air. Come on. Tinfoil hat says, uh, just trying to get the word out me and my fiance, uh, for uh, both for the coof. Well, I'm sorry to hear it. Rest in peace. I was uh, okay. Just tired, but my, uh, my fiance's throat was closing when we got her to the, uh, wait, sorry. It's always hard to read, um, tippy stream again, because they just break up words nonsensically when we went to get her, her care. So when they went to the hospital, nobody would treat her. We had to go to the hospital. Um, her throat was almost fully closed. So pissed. So they took her to the hospital and because it was a Corona, there was nobody there to treat her at the hospital. I suppose because of staffing shortages, presumably. Jeez. Hmm. Phil says it is unfortunate that the Irish potato famine killed so many good Irish and somehow missed the Bidens and the Kavanaugh's. Oh my God. <laughs> Give uh, Brett a break, man. He's, he's like, he's not Joe. But uh, yeah, oh, I share, he sucks. Come on. I share a little bit of disappointment on that. Anonymous says, um, quick, ha- uh, quick thanks to everybody who rebels against mask mandates. The other guys in my classes who also pushed back on the unit uh, on the university, make it easier to stand up. Remember that you aren't the only one who think ma- who thinks masks are useless. You're exactly right. It takes everybody sitting around thinking the same thing you are. It takes one guy to break um, what is kind of a barrier of courage for the rest of the yep. people that once they see, Oh, there's somebody else who's thinking like me, you'll get more to join you. So, uh, so yeah, those guys are the real MVPs. The guys who stand up first incompetent hand says, sorry, blonde. I know you explained it, but did you start from the beginning with the Bible in a year, uh, podcast or just jump in you guys, you guys, normie movie takes make me realize the stories we cherish and pass on are invaluable. Um, I, is he asking me if I jumped in to the Bible or I jumped into the podcast? I think he's asking how you started the podcast in episode one. All right. So it's just chronologically as it's presented, but you said it's presented sort of organized by theme, right? Yeah. It's called the great adventure Bible timeline. It's a thematic organization of the Bible that apparently is commonly used. I'm I'm not super familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So well, we will come back to your chats toward the end of the show. Thank you guys. Much appreciated. And um, let's get, I'll have uh, to just circle back with you. Let's get back into the news because uh, just when you think it can't get any crappier for Joe Biden and any crappier than a Joe Biden presidency, you remember who is most likely to replace him either if he quits or as the presumed electoral heir apparent, the, uh, of course, the most popularly elected vice president, vice president rather of all time, Kamala Harris, Not that she's ever fantastic in media appearances. Of course, she cackles reflexively whenever she's even slightly challenged. But she had this interview this week with NBC's Craig Melvin, and the questions were apparently so hard that they weren't even funny to Kamala. Instead, she became very sincere and uh, inspirational with her rhetoric. So, you know, if this job doesn't work out, she could probably um, design those generic inspirational posters that you see in your office cubicle. Here's uh, Kamala Harris avoiding basic questions uh, with generalities so broad they really don't make any sense. At what point does the administration say, you know what, the strategy isn't working? We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day every day it is time for us to agree that 
there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. We still have a number of people that, that is in the millions of Americans who have not been vaccinated. At, at what point does the administration acknowledge these people aren't going to get the shot? They're just not going to do it. I don't believe in giving up on people, Craig. I really don't. Is she wasted? <laughs> but that would be the best defense that she has, probably. I would prefer this graphic done up in the uh, Obama hope style, but I still like the quote. And uh, this is the poster that you have in mind. And this is the exact quote. It is time for us to do what we have been doing. And that time is every day. So if we only listen to every word that this woman said and uh, ran our lives accordingly, of course, we'd all be better off. But on the topic, uh, seriously speaking, on her topic of not giving up, even that is um, is is malicious in a subtle way. Well, I'm not giving up on people. It's a weird way to phrase that uh, when she says she's not giving up on the unvaccinated, because what you mean is you're going to keep trying to force <laughs> to them against it, their yeah. will. You're just you not going to give up on your coercive efforts to vaccinate yes. the unvaccinated. It's like saying yeah. <laughs> it's like um, kidnap. It's like trying to kidnap a child and saying, I'm not going to give up on motherhood or <laughs> or a stalker saying, I'm not going to give up on a date yeah. with you. Yeah. That is to say your your persistence in supposedly helping people depends on what it depends on the fundamental basis for a lot of morality consent. Mm-hmm. If you don't have consent in that persistence, you're a weird stalker. What the hell's wrong with you? Go away. So just a just weird phrasing there. Um, but but even still, let's say that she does mean like, well, I'm just going to persuade you. I'm just going to persuade you with reason. There is nobody in the country right now who is unvaccinated who would be persuaded to get the vaccine by Kamala Harris. At this point, playing reverse psychology and having her start talking about the risk of myocarditis would convince more people to get the vaccine than having yeah. her tell you to get the vaccine. But they're going to keep trying it. Anyway, um, moving right along to the uh, to the latest charges in the January 6th incident. And the greatest flaw in the propaganda term insurrection that's always used to describe January 6th was that up up until now, at least there were no charges to substantiate mm-hmm. that term. The, the worst charges were low level assaults. And even of those, there were very few. And most people were charged just for forms of trespassing or property damage, vandalism, that sort of stuff. But again, that is until now, over a year later, the Justice Department finally has the evidence. Apparently, you decide if they've gathered it or concocted it uh, to make the charges that the DOJ needs to show that once and for all, it was indeed insurrection. So seditious conspiracy charges, that's what they're going with. Seditious conspiracy Those charges have been filed against 11 defendants, including the leader of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes. And these are the first charges of that sort to come out of the uh, January 6th incident. So before we discuss what the case actually is, it's important to understand what that term means as it's defined in federal law. So seditious conspiracy, according to U.S. code, means if two or more persons in any state conspire to overthrow or destroy by force the government of the United States or to. Yeah, that's the correct. uh, That's the correct response. Not property of the government. No, no. Destroy by force the government (laughs) or levy war against them to oppose by force the authority of the U.S. government 
um, or to take or seize or possess by force any property of the U.S. government, <clears throat> contrary to the uh, authority thereof. So there is a, a property component there. But, <clears throat> excuse me. In other words, the government will have to prove that at least two people agreed to use force to overthrow government authority. So it's not even just the overthrow of government authority. It's that there was some sort of meeting, plotting, organization that's central to what they'll have to prove here. So in, in the case of seditious conspiracy here, government is going to have to prove both the existence of a plot, conspiracy or a plot, and that the aim of the plot was sedition or government overthrow. That's what they're going to have to demonstrate. In this case, they're going to say that that was the, the plot to, to overthrow government was the interruption of the certification of the vote that happened on January 6th. And as a as a legal matter, seditious conspiracy has been rarely successfully prosecuted in this country's history. The last time it was yeah. attempted was in 2010 against a Michigan militia or members of a Michigan militia unsuccessfully. So what exactly is the case here? Um, Stuart Rhodes is the most high profile man charged. He is the leader of the Oath Keepers. He never actually entered the Capitol on January 6th, but prosecutors allege he organized the action. And it's a lot of talk. And I full disclosure, I've not read all of the indictment, um, but I've gone through some of it and I'm going through the evidence that's in the New York Times piece here. It's a lot of talk. Starting on election day of 2020, he said an honest citizen or an honest count of votes means that Trump won. OK, uh, and he called members of his group to, quote, stock up on ammo and, quote, prepare for full on war in the streets. Hmm. Those sound like some quotes uttered on this show. But moving on a week later, he told Alex Jones that he had, uh, quote, men stationed outside Washington prepared to act at Mr. Trump's command. Command to do what? Yeah. Never really explained. Around that same time, he urged his fellow Oath Keepers at an online meeting to support Trump, calling him the, quote, duly elected president and saying, quote, you can call it an insurrection or you can call it a war or fight. Now, I'm pretty sure in that context, he's talking about what he believes to be an illegitimate election. Mm -hmm. He's saying that is the insurrection. He's saying that is the fight. You can disagree with him. You can say he's wrong. But is that seditious conspiracy? Okay. In December, he called on Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act, saying a failure to do so would result in a bloody war. But again, can I not talk about events that lead to war without being accused of plotting the war? Right, right. You're, you're, really, you're really creeping on fundamental First Amendment area, the territory here. On January 4th, Rhodes called for all patriots to, quote, stand up in support of President Trump's fight to defeat the enemies foreign and domestic who are attempting a coup. OK, I mean, even if you want to interpret that in its worst possible way, that he means defeat violently. Where's the right. plot? What's the yeah. plot? It's got to be very specific to meet these standards. Who's meeting whom, when and where to do what? Yeah. That quote doesn't explain that, even if you want to interpret it violently, which I don't know without the context. It's hard to, it's hard to know exactly what it's um, meant to mean. So it, that all may be elevated rhetoric, but I, based on the presentation in the indictment and as characterized by the New York times here, I'm not seeing the element, the elements of a plot again, people agreeing to conduct an action toward a specific end. I don't see that it's generic talk about if this happens, then that happens. 
This reminds me of that uh, case of, was it a Navy guy who was uh, vaguely plotting the demise of Nancy Pelosi in a spreadsheet? Do yes. you remember that? And yeah, I, I remember because he called um, Richard Blumenthal Richard Blumen Jew in his list of hits. When he should have called him Jumenthal. I'll that's never right. forget. Uh, how yeah, could he have mixed that how up? How could he have made that? Yeah, terrible, yeah. terrible mistake. Uh, but this reminds me of that you you have to be very specific to meet the legal standard. He wasn't charged with sedition. He was charged with, I don't even remember. But he went to jail, I'm pretty sure. Did he get uh, convicted? I, I thought that I that think went, he got convicted. I can't remember uh, how that long ago. I, I can't remember. But but you have to be like, we're going to meet, these people are going to meet at this time for the purpose of planning this thing with yeah. this expected outcome. It has to be very specific. And uh, obviously, that's not the entirety of the government's case here. There are 11 guys involved. That's just Rhodes, who's the most high profile of them. There are weapons accusations as well. Thomas Caldwell, um, who's another man accused, allegedly suggested in a text message on January 3rd, uh, that they were going to get a boat to ferry weapons across the Potomac River. Uh, that notably did not ever happen. The FBI. Have you seen what that guy looks like? I saw him on Tucker. I saw that yeah, interview. He's like seven. He's like an old man. He's like yeah. He's a, like a seventy-year-old Navy vet. Yeah. yeah, that guy's not doing anything. The FBI says a search of Caldwell's home produced a quote death list, including the name of an undisclosed elected official. Well, again, I know what FBI death lists look like per that case that you referenced before. That guy had a Google sheets spreadsheet that had yeah. it didn't say you would think when you think of death list you think of two columns name action to be conducted like how am yeah. i going to murder them this was just name he had a, just a name. single oh, column yeah. spreadsheet that listed the names of members of congress with absolutely no purpose attached to it other than he called him richard bloomin jew that was the incriminating nature of his list <laughs> they also found receipts for various weapons Including a gun shaped like a cell phone. Why does that matter? Yeah. I, they found a gun shaped like a gun. Who cares? <laughs> Edward Vallejo is accused of standing at the ready near a, a hotel in D.C. with guns and vehicles allegedly writing in the group chat, quote, Vallejo back at the hotel and outfitted have two trucks available. Let me know how I can assist. But were any of these weapons illegal? Or did any of them face weapons charges? Mm -mm. Did any of them conduct any illegal activity with these weapons? Now, I know this is a conspiracy charge. Not the, the accusation here is not that they actually conducted the action, but that they were plotting to. But if they were plotting some sort of weapons attack, did those weapons make it to the Capitol? That never yeah. happened. No. Everybody were any of the weapons art. ever used in crimes? No. So if this was some obvious plot to use guns at the Capitol, why weren't the guns used at the Capitol? Indeed, the extent of the organization accusations against uh, Stuart Rhodes is that the Oath Keepers were present on the steps at the Capitol in formation, quote, in formation. They marched in a mean? threatening way. They, they marched like they were a military unit. Gosh, I hate the standard. We've definitely said worse things on this podcast. Uh, but people say comparable things in their day-to-day -day conversations all the time. The, the, I need to see a plot here. You, we agree to meet here at this time to conduct this action toward this end. It doesn't exist in the evidence as they've prevented it. Um, so to me, this reads a lot like cherry-picked texts over the course of several months sewn together to try to create the impression of some sort of plot where even with those texts sewn together, it doesn't really look like that. And in any sane world, um, the elements of the crime here are very flimsy. And as I've said, I think they are, they're creeping on constitutionally protected speech very heavily. 
So I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm not uh, qualified to make expert legal analysis, but I have a baseline understanding of what the elements of the crime are here. And I, I just don't see that panning out. So I would like to say that this is not likely to be successful in court. But of course, I Ugh. understand what these are. These are political prosecutions of the same sort that put a man in buffalo horns in prison for four years four for years. walking around in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So these will probably be slam dunk political prosecutions that will get these guys locked up. And their charge, the charge of seditious conspiracy carries up to 20 years in prison. Oh, my Lord. For someone like Thomas Caldwell, that's the rest of his life. Almost certainly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll see where this goes. It, it'll be interesting to watch the development of these cases. And again, as federal cases, you don't get to watch them in the way you might like to watch the uh, the Rittenhouse trial or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they don't uh, they don't actually they're not viewable in that way. Um, one other thing I wanted to say about this case, because it's of course, it's. um. It's actually contrary to some news that we got uh, earlier in the year. Do I have that? Maybe I don't have that source on me. Well, I do have it in my notes. Um, remember back in August, the FBI or Reuters put out an exclusive report citing FBI sources that said there's almost no evidence of any organization in the January 6th attack. Mm -hmm. So I went back and revisited it. And um, and yeah, here's what that story said, because this this what they're saying now is the total opposite of that, that, oh, not only was there an organization, it was a seditious conspiracy. It was an entire plot. Mm -hmm. So back in um, back in August, the headline in Reuters was FBI finds scant scant evidence of U.S. Or that U.S. capital attack was coordinated, citing anonymous FBI sources. The story says, um, quote, FBI investigators did find that cells of protesters, including the Oath Keepers, had aimed to break into the Capitol. So that's consistent. They're saying that there was communication right. that the Oath Keepers were going to enter. But, quote the story, they found no evidence that these groups, including the Oath Keepers, had serious plans about what to do if they made it inside. Then how could you even conspire to what? To meet at the Capitol steps? Right. Fuck. Serious plans about what to do inside is exactly the crime that is now charged. Yeah. So inside of six months ago, FBI sources are saying we really don't have any evidence to say that there was some kind of strong organizational effort here. Now they've flipped and suddenly they have a very strong organizational effort. The only thing we do know is that uh, <laughs> the guy who definitely didn't commit any seditious conspiracy is Ray Epps. He's the guy on video trying to organize, uh, well, trying to organize seditious conspiracy. That guy. Remember him. I don't have the video handy, but he's the guy. He's the MAGA boomer man making weird statements uh, the night of January 5th, urging people to raid the Capitol the next day. Epps said things like, quote, I'm probably going to go to jail for it, but tomorrow we need to go into the Capitol. OK, folks, spread the word. As soon as the president is done speaking, we go to the Capitol. The Capitol is in this direction. We are going to the Capitol where our problems are. Yeah, it's that really. direction. Please where, spread the word. We shall conspire before our attack on the Capitol. <laughs> Join me in seditious conspiracy this fine evening before we enact our plot. So why wasn't Ray Epps ever charged with seditious conspiracy or yeah. any other crime for that matter? Well, according to Snopes, it's because Epps um, never entered the Capitol. That's the distinction. Well, Ray Epps never actually went inside. Most of the people who were charged actually went inside. 
But now that we contrast that with what's happening with the Oath Keepers, many of the Oath Keepers now charged, including Stuart Rhodes, never went in the Capitol. Thomas Caldwell also never went in the Capitol, at least according to him. The FBI says he did. We're going to find out who's lying in court. But several of these guys that they've charged didn't go into the Capitol. So that's not a defense for Ray Epps. Um, but that's what that's what Snopes is going with. The other plausible theory for why Ray Epps has never been charged is what? Because he was a Fed, because yeah. he's working with the FBI, as we've seen the FBI do in other alleged plots, uh, namely the Gretchen Whitmer uh, hoax. Effectively, uh, that's still set to go to trial in March. So we'll see what comes of that. But I believe it to be largely an FBI concocted event based on the evidence. They do this all the time. This week, the January 6th committee announced conclusively they have interviewed Ray Epps and Ray says he was not working with any law enforcement agency on January 5th or 6th. He says he's never been an FBI informant or an informant for any other agency. So that settles that. But if that's true, let's let's say we believe old Ray and the January 6th committee. He did exactly the things that Stuart Rhodes and others are accused and charged of of doing yeah and he's not a fed so what is the basis for his protection exactly yeah nobody's explaining that and we're it can't be the snopes defense of he didn't go in the capitol because neither did half these oath keepers right right so committee (laughs) committee member adam kinzinger just totally contradicted himself in his explanation on this he said um well let's say ray was an agent he's not the premise is that one agent can gin up a crowd to insurrection. I don't think so. And then later in that same thread, well, it, it may break hearts, but it's true. So many are misled by so few. And the, the whole premise of this committee is what? That Trump singularly uh, got that crowd to commit crime that yeah, day. And I get yeah. it. Obviously, Donald Trump is more influential than Ray Apps. I'm not going to ignore that reality. But... Let's just look at the standards here. Donald Trump said, go to the Capitol, make yourself be heard peacefully. Ray Epps tried to stir up a crowd and said, go to the Capitol, go to the Capitol. It's this way. I'm probably going to go to jail, but go to the Capitol. It was I think highly Epps, specific. Yeah, I think Ray Epps did mix in a peacefully there to, to be as fair to him as possible in one of the clips. But what I'm saying is there is no standard by which you can say that Donald Trump incited crime, but yeah. Ray Epps did not. Yeah, I know. There is no standard that makes that position tenable. And, and, and the other question, if this is such a nothing burger, there's nothing to see here as Adam Kinzinger and the January 6th committee and Snopes, they all say about Ray Epps. Well, why does the FBI refuse to address it? So on Tuesday, Ted Cruz questioned FBI officials about Ray Epps at a congressional hearing and the FBI uh, assistant director for national security. um, She said, or she refused to comment on apps or any FBI involvement in provoking or organizing any crime. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th. Sir, I can't answer that. Who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, 
I don't have the specific background to him. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. Okay. <laughs> of all the uh, FBI's corruption, I would say their refusal to use headphones on a Skype call is actually among the worst. That, that, <laughs> the echo from uh, the clip there is not, it's not from us. That's from the FBI's technical incompetence. Yep. And, um, and yeah, I get it. Um, you know, law enforcement and investigators can't say everything about an ongoing investigation or about their intelligence or evidence gathering methods. I, I, I'm aware of that. But number one, if Ray Epps is now conclusively not a Fed, why can't you say that? How is that yeah. commenting on your methods? It's commenting on Ray Epps, who's nothing. So just yep. say he's not a Fed. Yep. But they won't. And then. Why can't you don't have to comment on a specific investigation or even Ray Epps specifically to say um, we at the FBI don't use crime as a method. That was one of the questions. Do you guys commit crimes as a method? Right. We can't they, comment they, on that. They, they clearly do. So that's why they're not commenting on that. It's probably their most important method at this point. And um, and just in case you think you're being kept safe by these people, don't worry, they're coming for you. The DOJ is expanding to get all of you domestic terrorists uh, and all the uh, domestic terrorists surrounding you in everyday life. A top DOJ official said on Tuesday at this same hearing, the, the department is de uh, dedicating a team of lawyers to the domestic terror threat because domestic terrorism investigations have more than doubled since the spring of 2020. Is that a doubling of investigations or a doubling of actual domestic terror? You yeah. be the judge in its budget proposal this spring. The DOJ will request an additional $101 million to address domestic terrorism, including $45 million for the FBI and $40 million for federal prosecutors. The two most dangerous types of domestic extremists, Ms. Sanborn, the woman you heard in the clip, she said, are driven either by racial or ethnic beliefs or by anti-government sentiment. And don't get confused. That doesn't mean Black Lives Matter or Antifa. That means parents who don't like racial ideology in their kids' classroom or the grandmas who were so rowdy that they respected the velvet ropes while walking through Statuary Hall inside the Capitol. We're going to get them. We're going to bring them to justice. They just need to steal more of your money to make it happen. But then we'll all be safe from this rising threat. Anything else on our, uh, our friends at the FBI? Nope. We'll never know the truth. All right. As always. As I'll always. have to hurry because I'm... I got two hoax hates and two surprise cringes and the movie review. So I'll have to hustle through these. But here's our hoax hate. And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. You think they'll notice? In Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, north of Minneapolis, and the same town in which Kim Potter glocktased Dante Wright in April, an anonymous Korean man named Matt says his car was vandalized with China virus graffiti while he was dining at a local restaurant. Fearing for the safety of his family. I was just lost for words. Matt doesn't want to show his face, but wants to start a conversation about what happened Thursday night while he ate at a local restaurant in Brooklyn Park. I came out and uh, noticed some spray paint on my car. Window was smashed in the back. Then I read the message on it. Someone sprayed the words China virus. I'm Korean. <laughs> Adopted. It's the car he drives his seven-year-old son to school in, which he now covers in a tarp. The body shop can't get it in until 
every second. So it's on display from the whole neighborhood. Matt filed a report with the Brooklyn Park Police Department. They said they did assign an investigator to the case and told Matt they are looking for surveillance video. There's no room in this world anymore for hate. We have to stand together and be unified. Derek and Matt became friends after starting a nonprofit to distribute food in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. We stand for, you know, standing <laughs> together, you know, no matter what your color or race is, you know, it's it's the right thing to do. Since WCCO tweeted about this case, someone has already volunteered to fix Matt's car for free. Yeah, they have just put it in each other's butts. That's how they know each other. <laughs> I have to correct myself that uh, Kim Potter was Brooklyn Center, neighboring Brooklyn Center. Oh. This is Brooklyn Park, but they are immediately nearby. Anyway, um, that friend of his, Derek Granberry, the guy who's on the record with his face and his name, it says in the story he started an online fundraiser for the nonprofit that these two started together. I spent more time looking for this nonprofit and this GoFundMe than I should have in any justifiable sense. We can't find out who the hell that is or what the fundraiser is or what the nonprofit is. It's not out there. Derek Granberry. I, I don't know. Is it fake? Is there yeah. additional layers of this? Fake name. The thing that makes me really suspicious about this story, I guess curious because I get you could say that this points to it being legitimate. The fact that it happened supposedly in a very public place and not in this guy's garage where most of these sorts of uh, hoaxes happen. They're saying it happened at this Broadway pizza place, which is on a major street right off a highway and it's well lit. So even if this Broadway pizza place doesn't have cameras, there gotta be a lot of cameras in the area as they mentioned the police taking a look at. Um, but with an ongoing act of vandalism, you had broken glass, you had theft of camera equipment from the car, you had the spray painting. Someone had to witness that given the amount of traffic yeah. and the amount of people in this area. Yeah, it didn't happen. Unless, but so maybe they did it at a different place and claimed it happened at that spot to divert that's police. That's, you think so? That, that's definitely what happened. Yeah, I could believe that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So, although uh, somebody would know that that was an Asian dude's car, it was like some ricer, probably an underglow or something. Came <laughs> I don't know. It looks like a, I can't see. I can't tell what car it is exactly, but it I looks pretty. I think it's a Honda. Looks pretty nondescript. I don't think he's really riced it out very hard. <laughs> well, then he's failing his race. He's an adopted <laughs> Korean. Yeah. Come on, get with it. Well, in our second story in New York City, uh, the NYPD, when they're not uh, you know, too busy kicking unvaccinated kids out of Chuck E. Cheese, they have their hate crime task force investigating um, among, well, I suppose when they have a little bit of time and they're not looking at all the um, attacks against Asian people, uh, attacks of color against Asian people that we want to frame as a, a, a hate crime epidemic. They are investigating swastika stamps that have made it onto $100 bills. These bills were withdrawn last Saturday morning from a Chase Bank ATM on East 86th Street. One of the bills has a blue swastika stamped on the back of it. And the other has a Nazi war eagle. And these are legit because the swastika <laughs> is properly oriented and everything. Yeah. Look how tidy it is. The woman returned the bills to the bank and they were promptly removed from circulation. The hate crime task force is looking to track down who may have tampered with the bills. Chase Bank said That's it took... That's not a crime, is it? I don't know if stamping a bill is. What, what counts as like defacing or tampering with currency? I don't know the technicals of that. Well, everyone get out your wallets. You know what you need to do. <laughs> Chase Bank 
said it took the machine that the bills were dispersed from out of service and investigated, and it was put back in operation Wednesday evening. The woman who withdrew the cash is Robin Roth Moise or Moise, a 65 year old photographer and great granddaughter of Emery Roth, the legendary architect. Uh, She says that when she saw the bills, it felt like a gut punch. So she went to the nearby Chase branch at 86th. Uh, and and second, later that morning to demand answers. I just wanted the money out of my hands. I was deeply disturbed. How did it happen? How did the money get into the machine without anyone noticing it? She was told that the bills were likely fed into the machine by a customer making a deposit and that the branch manager, uh, this was according to the branch manager who told her that the secret service will probably get involved, said the Why? branch manager. What a waste of time. Did you say Roth Moisey? Yes, that is her name. Uh, on Twitter, Robin's tweet uh, caught the attention of city councilwoman Julie Menon and Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, who have pledged to investigate. So we will get to the bottom of this. What okay. a waste of everybody's time. Who cares? In Except New York the bills. City. Yeah, I know. It's like, I guarantee you most $100 bills have touched far more terrible yeah. things than a swastika stamp. Like 70% of bills have cocaine residue on them or something like that. <laughs> okay, I have two quick pieces of... Surprise cringe before we get to the movie review. You may have seen one or both of these, but let's okay. watch the first one. I'm here today because we got to vaccinate our children. They're not mandatory. And that's you the saw problem. It? No. We got to mandate oh. these vaccines. I've figured a way where I think we can make it, I guess, more hip and uh, cool for. No. I guess we'll just have to. No. We'll He's just have rap, to freestyle it. But with the real Dr. Fauci, please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. Vaccinate your mom. Vaccinate your dad. Vaccinate the happy. Vaccinate the sad. Vaccinate me, pure L. I love you. What can I say? DNA, I love you. I got the pure L feeling pure. Vaccinate me in my thong. Vaccination, right or wrong. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, give me that ouchie. I want it in my body. Vaccinate me to go to the party. One more time. Vaccinate your mind. Vaccinate your body. Vaccinate your life if you're vaccination party. I love y'all. Peace. God bless. Follow my Instagram. IG. Your time is up. <laughs> that guy's an, an OG hero right there. He's that He was faking it for sure, right? You see it clearly. That is YouTuber Alex Stein appearing on Wednesday during a public comment at the Dallas City Council meeting. Stein, you say? He Alex. was, in fact, not serious. He told the Daily Dot afterward that um that he was, was trying to be cringe and he was trying to be stupid he says he's not necessarily political but he believes people should be free to make their own medical choices uh, he does this sort of satirical public comment at government meetings frequently apparently this was generally um uh, apparently some sort of um uh, parody of vaccine worshipers uh, good but when he was he, just breathing heavily i was very worried uh, he did sell the nervousness at the start pretty well Pretty well, yeah. Good uh, good satire is very hard to distinguish from the truth and reality. Yeah. And I I could believe that was a serious vaccine worshiper. And a lot of people did. A lot of people bit and thought that that was a, a serious person. Halfway through, I was like, this is for real. And I was like, no. The Purell, was that where you realized he B- was? Before then. Yeah. Okay. When he started well, getting sexual, it's like, ah, a lot of people have such feelings toward Fauci. I could believe it. <laughs> Uh, have you seen this one? This is an important message to keep Aboriginal no. people safe. And this message is probably an ah. important one to keep everybody safe one. You can die from the corona, 
or get really sick. People like can pass away from this corona. The corona needle will protect kids, old people, men and women. The young corona needle, gotta keep them a safe one. So get your needle now and stay strong. Thank you. So you will gotta get them that needle and stay proper strong one. And thank you. Wait, what she was just saying what he said, but in a dumb way for Aboriginals to understand it. Yeah, although it's not dumb. Uh, <laughs> is it like pigeon and, speak? But and for that is not absolutely not parody. That one's absolutely serious. That was Western Australia premier Mark McGowan speaking at a deliberately slow pace and recruiting a translator to, yes, help him speak the indigenous, ab, help him speak the indigenous Aboriginal Australian language. Uh, the the dialect uh, they call it um I forget what the, the term they use for the Aboriginal dialect but that's what she's doing it's she's a translator <laughs> and so um, how can she even be alive with her head shape can a brain fit in there did you see what her head looked like I could go back but it was like uh, a different species of human I'll take your word for it but uh, no it wasn't racist at all in case you had that feeling. The um, Western Australia Aboriginal interpreting chief Deanne Lightfoot says it was the opposite of racist. In fact, rescripting, they call it rescripting is an important part of what we do. And it has become standard now for important government messages to indigenous communities on a range of issues. She said much of what Miss Kogolo says, that's the translator, I believe, is recognizable as English. But Miss Lightfoot said it would be wrong and dangerous to believe English and Creole. That's the dialect. Creole were basically the same. So no. maybe. Is it, wasn't that just an analogy? What, uh, what analogy? Wasn't she saying that Creole and English, that's, that's analogous to whatever she was saying? She's saying that they're effectively, if you read the story, she's saying they're borderline different languages because the same words have different meanings in them. So even though it so sounds like, like English pigeon or Creole, I guess but it's not yeah. Creole. Okay. Well, they use the word Creole K R I O L, but I, I don't oh. know. I've never seen, I don't know that word. So I don't know what it means in other contexts. Oh, I thought you were saying um, C R E O L E. No, nah, K R I O L is how it's used in this story. But you know what that means? It means Alex Stein, the rapper, was actually onto something. We probably need exactly this sort of communication to get the message across. Oh. Alex Stein needs to be Joe Biden's Ebonics translator. I want <laughs> that to happen. I like it. Okay. Australian Creole is an English-based Creole language that developed from a pigeon used mm. initially in the region of Sydney and Newcastle and New South Wales. Okay. Got it. So all of these dumb black speaks are the same dumb black speaks. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not an expert. Let's talk the movie. In a world of movie references flying over his head, <laughs> one man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show movie review. Tonight's movie is the 1987 Stanley Kubrick war drama Full Metal Jacket in which a platoon of Marines graduate boot camp under tragic and violent circumstances only to reunite in Vietnam under tragic and violent circumstances. From movie picker Adam, how tall are you, Private 5'9"? I didn't know they stacked shit that high. 
The hilarious slew of insults starkly contrasts the misery of military training and the horrors of war. It shows how desperate people pushed beyond their limit can lose their humanity. This movie may actually warrant an unironic trigger warning. As always, your review and your rating. Yeah, um, this wasn't Kubrick's finest movie, I will say. But I was watching it and I was thinking, this is like Apocalypse Now if it were on Mushrooms. <laughs> Apocalypse Now basically is on Mushrooms, though. That's, yeah, that movie it was, is weird. It was like double tripped out Apocalypse yeah. Now. Um, okay, the good. I loved the first 30... 40 minutes um this hilarious vulgarity and the strange camaraderie uh and then this you know but but once they got to vietnam i kind of felt like the like the plot fell apart and then the scenes with the prostitute and like the weird sexual undertones throughout the rest of it i i had a hard time making sense of the rest of the movie like it felt really free-floating and, and structureless and that really bothered me um, it was shot beautifully. And I understand that this is a somewhat satirical moral commentary on our place in Vietnam and what war does to people. And there was a lot of good stuff there. Um, but after the boot camp montage, I just like really lost interest in the characters. Um, and I it was just like really painful to watch. It was a whole experience. Maybe it was because my second Vietnam movie this week. <laughs> um, Too much numb. Yeah. Too much nom, yeah. But I felt like it didn't have the depth of Apocalypse Now, and it had the cinematography of like other better Kubrick movies, but for me it just didn't. It, it wasn't like a really cohesive film. I don't know if that's fair. People are going to hate me because I didn't give, I didn't hate it, you know? I just don't think it was Kubrick's finest film. I gave it a three. We are on a very similar page on this movie. So, um... Obviously, I will recognize the performance of R. Lee Ermey, who was the uh, drill sergeant. And um, the best way that I can think about this movie is by an adaptation of the Rifleman's Creed that they say with such enthusiasm. In other words, that um, that Gunnery Sergeant Hartman is this movie and that he's useless without this movie and without him, this movie is useless. (laughs) He is everything about that first half of it. And it's such a compelling character that might basically it's probably just him. He had drill instructor experience of the era. He was a Marine drill instructor, 1965 to 1967. And so maybe it's just him being him. I I did. I was reading about it. A lot of the lines he wrote or improvised. And a lot of those lines. It was so creative. Yeah. A lot of those lines I've heard throughout my life. I just didn't know the origin of like, I've heard the golf ball through a garden hose line. Um, I've heard the courtesy of a reach around line. I've heard the steers and queers line. And yeah. those have clearly stood the test of time. So that performance, uh, A plus, totally entertaining, yeah, really funny. And and to your point, I know it's supposed to be, well, it, it's 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 basically two movies. And yeah. it, it, it almost could be two separate ones. But what I liked about the first half, in addition to the character of Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, I think that based on what I understand about this movie, it's supposed to be a critique of hypermasculinity and kind of military culture. But I appreciated what was going on in that boot camp. It's not so to say I, it yeah. doesn't look like it's fun. And obviously it didn't work out with Pyle, who lost his <laughs> mind and committed a murder suicide. Mm-hmm. But in general, the discipline, the skill, the tough mentality, the, the sticks and stones me- mentality and the actual 
<laughs> the actual, uh, I, I don't know, uh, use of sticks to break your body repeatedly, the toughening up and the discipline and the skill that's built there. I'm not saying that we need the full Hartman as men, but we need more of that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't view that as satire. I viewed that with sort of a, a longing for a little bit of that in our yeah. society to toughen us up yeah. a little bit. So I appreciated it in that um, regard. But yeah, I agree that the second half, it, it didn't work for me. And that's be- they spent a bunch of time in the first half building up these characters. And I was thinking that what happened to Joker at boot camp and the what happened with Pyle would have big meaning or consequence in the second half. They really aren't relevant. There's mm-hmm. and they and they introduce so many new characters that the deaths or struggles of the new characters you just don't care as much about. Right. Because right. you were given yeah. this whole backstory that's now irrelevant. They didn't come together in a coherent way. I, I feel like I was missing something, but the second half really lost me for that reason, but also in both halves. So I think of specifically Pyle's speech, the full metal jacket speech when he's um, when he's loading that magazine and before he kills uh, Hartman and himself. And I'm thinking of the interaction between Animal Mother and Joker right before Joker executes the sniper. Did that acting come off as really weird and stiff to you or is it just me? No, there were a few moments where I was like, everybody's clearly acting right now. And it was really took me out of the film in the in the execution of the sniper, it, it was like they were reading the lines to me. It was really bizarre. Mm. And people love Pyle's performance in that in that full metal jacket scene on the toilet, the murder suicide scene. People think it's great. So I feel like maybe I'm not getting it because that felt really forced and weird to me, too. Yeah. Seven, six, two millimeter full metal jacket. I, <laughs> I get it. I guess it just if it just felt really forced and, and stiff to me. But. Anyway, that that's those are my thoughts uh, on the movie. So I landed right where you did, which is a three wiki rating. Okay, I'll allow it. That's because a good opening act and a bad closer kind of even out to mediocrity. But but I would say if I had to bend that meter toward good or bad, I would give it. It was enjoyable and memorable enough in the first half. That I'm, you know, more warm on it than cold, but it, it's not that second half was just really lacking to me. Yeah. So it's not it's not one I'm eager to watch again. Oh, I will. I will never watch it again. Let's see what the uh, audience thought about it. Give it a quick refresh here. Uh, audience definitely higher early vote, definitely higher than we have it. Mostly fours and fives. A uh, solid majority of fours and fives. So people enjoy it more than we do. Next week we have Dread, which I know nothing about. I don't know. 2012 about. movie. And uh, after that, this is going to be the last week to vote on this particular list. We have five Sundays this month. So nominator Adam gets a bonus week. Lucky him. We have one more week to vote on this particular list. So if any of these movies are ones that you'd like to see reviewed, make sure you vote. But the nominations are we are still Amer- doing this thing for my dad this week. Oh shit. I for, uh, what does it have to be this week? Well, his birthday is January 20th and he wanted what reviewed what my dad wants for his 70th birthday is, um, for us to review the life of Brian. He asked me every week. And so I was like, dad, for your birthday, we will, we will do that. And he's are we so just going to cancel the vote and do life? I, 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 we came to I, some kind of agreement, but I don't remember what it was. Well, I forgot that that was this week. 
Um, I'm sorry. I should have reminded you. I, we like well, to have on-air meetings. During this this is definitely a conversation we should have had beforehand. But for now, um, you can vote for <laughs> American Psycho, Princess Mononoke, Goodwill Hunting, Dr. Horrible, Sing Along Vlog. Or you can reject the list and uh, we'll pick a randomly selected top rated movie as well. Or maybe we'll just watch The Life of Brian. Dang, uh, damn it. That would have fit in perfectly because nominator Adam already had his four selected. Oh, do we yeah. just cancel the vote this week and do that? I mean, it does fit in. Perfectly. Is that okay for with you guys? Would you will you it's, do it for an old man for for blonde's dad? It's a it's a major birthday. I don't think people will be that mad. And, and we're I not really buy him a gift. And we're not really bending <laughs> the rules because listener Adam got his four picks. We're not taking one away from him. He got a That's bonus true. one by the nature of the fifth Sunday in January. So uh, Maybe well, we should wait, ask Adam. We can't. Uh, we'll have to think about this. We'll have to talk about Live it off chat because pretty, if we do this for next week, then what happens with dread? Do we push dread back to the end of the month? We will have to do two in a week, right? Not necessarily. We could do life of Brian next week and dread the week after that. Sure. Let's do that. All right. We'll talk about it. But if you would like to vote, go ahead and vote. Um, although we may, um, we may stop the voting at 3 a.m. and take the suitcases <laughs> in. Yeah. Uh, it'll be, yeah. it'll be thoroughly fortified. Cover Don't up worry. the windows. Yeah. Most secure vote in history. Yes. All right. As a reminder, um, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie and sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month. The one and only place to do that is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description and over on the website. That's MattChristensenMedia.com. And that'll do it. Let's catch up with uh, with chat and we'll call it a night. Sure, Brady Sutliff. It's that time again, Blonde. Tomorrow is MLK Day. You know, if we ended 364 more of them, we wouldn't have to work all year. Mixers <laughs> count as half days, i.e. Obama. <laughs> uh, yeah, more federal holidays. Exactly what we need. Uh, Funkalupagus says, Matt and I once made sweet, sweet conversation. And when he begged me to stop, I whispered in his ear, paraplegic black tranny, probably my last super chat for a while. No Fauci out, no job. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Thanks. Um, and thanks for supporting the show. And um, I, I went on Funkalopagus's show this week. I did post the audio of that on our audio platforms. If you'd like to hear oh, a conversation cool. about uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, Austin Olson, wife gave birth to a healthy baby boy, Axel James Olson. He was born early Wednesday morning at eight pounds, five ounces, 21 and a half inches long. Also blonde. You need to convince my wife against circumcising. I feel like if your wife is not going to listen to you. She's definitely not going to listen to me. Mm. Uh, you need to protect that baby's foreskin. It's your job as a man. You do it. Congrats to your family as well. And congratulations, Jolly Roger. I just wanted to thank both of you for the YouTube channels you created and the discussions you've had over the past years. You can be proud of the community you built and most importantly, the families you started. Thank you so much. We are proud. Absolutely. I, proud I appreciate parents. it very much. And and we're proud to be put in this position by the people that enjoy the show. So thank you for, for keeping it on air for us and allowing us to do this each and every week. Cause it is yep. uh, a pleasure no matter how black pilled each individual week or the collective weeks that form the year may seem. Um, I can't think of any better way to watch the world burn or at least <laughs> anticipate it than uh, every Sunday night with you fine people. So true, I wouldn't be here true. otherwise. Um, Das Pooch. The moment I heard the news say terrorists takes hostages in synagogues, I yelled, "OF!" Thinking for sure it was a good old boy demanding the release of the One Sixers Black Packy Mass Asylum release. <laughs> God. <laughs> no, it was uh, just a regular British guy. What are you talking? Totally, about? totally regular British guy. 
Robin D. Banks, Malik Faisal Akram sounds like a Christian name to me. I heard he demanded a DNA test to guarantee no newish people were on the ladies' jury. Mm. Just a thing, a little birdie told me. Uh, Adam Nold says, Blonde, I have to say, you're hot and I love this subtle racism. Subtle? Um, Matt, <laughs> well, you gotta up your game. Yeah, for real. Wow. Uh, Matt, you're amazing at considering all perspectives, and I hope we get to chill one day. Greetings from Santa Monica. Hey, I used to live in Santa Monica. Well, thanks much. Um, I miss I'll it. meet you anywhere but California. Yeah, that? for real. No, I, I, I do occasionally venture there. But um, uh, but yeah, uh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Santa Monica, yeah. Uh, mostly peaceful. This confusion with prop guns, uh, dummy and blank ammunition, it's exactly why gun owners are so adamant about correct definitions. Clear communication matters. Especially around objects like firearms. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, there, it's not something that I handle regularly. So I don't want to give the impression that I don't have understanding of the things that I use and that are in my home because I do. Yeah. And you should, you should treat that very seriously. I agree with the point. Um, I've never, I don't use blanks or dummies in my own home. So that's yeah, what contributes you? to confusion on my, I mean, I've, I've, I guess I've heard of dummy rounds. They have various applications. Um, you can buy, you know, rubber, uh, round replicas basically for various purposes, but usually those are, um, colored. So they're obviously fake. Usually those are like a blue rubber or plastic or a red. They don't look like a brass case and, uh, you know, a projectile bullet in it or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Logan or blanks don't have a primer and the brass is usually drilled, preventing it from holding powder, especially on a movie set after the Brandon Lee shooting. It's very easy to tell. Yeah. I think that she was, the protocol was that she was supposed to examine all the rounds, uh, every 15 minutes. And especially mm. if the gun was out, out of her custody. Mm. So she clearly fucked up big time and Alec Baldwin fucked up. Yeah. Again, I don't see how it's a problem to have multiple people be in the know of exactly what they're using and to check it. Redundancy is, is key to mm -hmm. safety. So I don't understand why those protocols weren't in place or maybe they were and they were just ignored, but N word faggot guys, it's 2022. You should, you should be surprised that murder charges against ho whites were tacked onto the real crime of striking a whammon of color. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that is kind of how it went, isn't it? Yeah. The other charges were just tacked under the domestic abuse one. Yeah. Mostly peaceful. So cool of Fauci to, uh, to take a break from baking cookies in his treehouse to come down to Congress and get bodied by Rand Paulkin. He's he is a real elfish. Keebler. Yeah. He's a real Keebler looking dude. It was the first clue, um, trapped to the world. Rand Paul was savagely beaten in his front yard and was attacked by a mob after the RNC. Fauci needs to shut his Weasley trap about getting angry emails. I know, right? Yeah, I saw Keith Olbermann quote tweeting that on uh, on Twitter, obviously, this week. And he said something to the effect of America is Rand Paul's neighbor. Like we all endorse, I guess, political violence against our opponents. Um, but coming from Keith Olbermann, it's hilarious because every every other tweet is him calling someone else a fascist. And yeah. then here he is saying, well, this senator who disagrees with me on a pro freedom basis, by the way. That he deserves to get his ass kicked. Yeah. But that guy's the fascist. Keith Olbermann is something else. You know, my wife and I were talking about it. Keith Olbermann, we think, is um, much like a rare male breast cancer diagnosis. Keith Olbermann is a male blondes disease diagnosis. Hey. Single and childless. And he has no purpose other than um, helping dogs who are going to be euthanized. But And that's fine. Like, I'm not ripping on him for that. 
but he has like a, a an ex, a, a strong passion for that that I think uh, is at some level like a, a, a an energy that would go to a family that instead is going there. It's the dog mom thing that it's hmm. totally weird. You know, everybody that adopts a dog thinks that they're saving a dog, but really they're just creating a system where more dogs go into the adoption system. If we just euthanized every dog in every shelter right now and only gave license to people that were like very serious breeders, we wouldn't have yeah. this problem anymore. Keith Olbermann is pushing what, like 60 years old. His career is behind him. He He might be older than that. His career is behind him. He doesn't have anything to, he doesn't have a family to pass anything on to. And I think he has these weird breakdowns uh, on Twitter as a result of that. That's my completely unreliable, unprofessional diagnosis. He's like the 45 year old cat lady. Yeah. But he's a 60, 60 year old dog man. Yikes. He's 62. Um, Jay Stewart, Matt, they had to go narrow. This was an appeal on the 6th, removing the injunction. They did, however, make it clear that if the 6th mess up, they stand ready to strike it down. Maybe. Maybe there's a technicality there that I'm not aware of. But a lot of the language in the majority decision, you know, it's just about congressional authorization. And what happens if they have that congressional authorization? Hopefully we don't ever find out. Laura I don't want to see. I don't want to see that D- law passed. Keith Olbermann, is that true? Really, that would be. She a also dated couple. Dinesh D'Souza. Hmm. But she's clearly a lesbian, so I don't know what the deal is. I thought she's married, isn't she? She's married, but she, you know, she's got some like ten out of ten dyke qualities. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, thank Michael you, Anderson. Jay. Appreciate it. No note. Uh, and then another one. Uh, a prop gun should be blank adapted. This will mitigate what can make it down the barrel and make firing live ammunition highly problematic. Why one would have live ammo on a movie set is beyond me. Hmm. It sounds like people probably screwed up at every. Every. Uh, yeah, I'm well, I'm not familiar with with that blank adapted and, and I'm not familiar with you know how guns are used in a movie setting. Um, so I'll have to look up all of this, but obviously there's YouTube videos of what you're talking about. So um, there's there's got to be some kind of modification I'm I'm not aware of. Black magic. Let's just fire healthcare workers when we are short on healthcare workers because logic. That's how you handle healthcare. Big of 2022. Yeah, and then hire okay. them back even when they're sick, and also have yeah, the military really. do it. <sighs> Trapped to the world. I guess I was wrong about Kavanaugh. Any man willing to work with his buddies to force biological materials to be injected into the bodies of millions of people is clearly a serial gang redacted. <laughs> so Christine Blasey um, Ford was right this entire time. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a twist? Really? We all die and, and meet our maker. And he's like, so guess what? Christine Blasey Ford was telling the truth. We'll be like, hmm. whoa, no way. Yeah. Behena fam. Uh, if YouTube said it's all content creators would be mandated to be vaccinated, would you get it? Blonde is an obvious no, but Matt, I don't know. Curious. No, obviously not. Yeah, of course uh, not. The, I'm. I don't need YouTube. I yeah. will find a way to survive without YouTube. And frankly, I'm not confident of my ability to survive on YouTube. So I'm not staying around to your vaccination policy or not. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying when I when I talk about this is that I can envision a situation where, say, you have a very particular skill set, say you're a doctor or a lawyer or something you trained for a long time to do, and you are taking care of your family on that basis. And you or maybe you've worked your way up the ladder to achieve this awesome job and you're able to earn a bunch of money, take care of your family. You've got great benefits. 
I'm confident in my ability to provide for my family without Susan Wiki Wiki. There are people in situations where they're less confident of their ability to provide for their family as well. If, if they were to sever their current employment relationship. So yeah. in my current situation, would I take the stab? Cause Susan says no, or says to absolutely not. Is there a conceivable situation in which I would make sacrifices to put my family in the best possible position that I could knowing that I'm putting myself at risk? Yeah. In general, does that mean that I take this vaccine for sure? I'd have to evaluate the specific situation. Yeah. But I think it's the job of a man to put his family in the best position that he can, even if it means some risk for himself. But the problem here is it's not just problem with what's happening with all this. It's not just one thing. It's not like, oh, I'm going to put myself in danger uh, in this one instance to try to put my family in a better position. It's indefinite. You don't just take this one risk first of all this one risk is potentially ongoing because we don't know about long-term effects but we also know that once you do this they don't quit they just put another term in front of you that you have to fulfill Mm -hmm. so it's it's very complicated but um but yeah don't misunderstand that i have any desire to take it for myself and that i don't i wouldn't resist that on principle for a long period of time but what i will say is at the end of the day if you ask me to take a hit or my family to take a hit i'll take the hit 10 out of 10 times because that's my job (laughs) They need you, though. They do need me, but it's my job to put them in the best position that they can possibly be, even if that means without me. And God willing, that'll never be the case. But that's it's possible that that happens someday. I don't know, man. If my husband died, I'd be fucking screwed. Just be screwed. It would be terrible. Yeah, but, and I know this is, I'm not saying these are the exact same situation, but let's say a robber breaks here in the middle of the night. It's not my job to hide. It's my job yeah. to protect my family, even if he kills me. Mm. It's it's that's the thinking that I'm applying here. Gentlemen, activists, uh, geez, if they have to turn up uh, the gain any higher for our mumbler in chief, the White House can launch an ASMR hot tub channel on Twitch. Which one is that? Uh, who's the mumbler? Is, is that no, Saki or is that Kamala? It must be Joe. Oh, it's Joe. Obviously. Duh. I forgot that he's in charge of anything, even mumbling. It's after eight. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. Michael Anderson, Roe Rogan, 2024. Jeez. Uh, Ro- uh, wait, Roe. Oh, micro. Micro. Yeah. yeah. Um, epic bonkers. Matt and I once gave out spoiler alerts that uh, were then labored mis- labor- labeled misinformation. It wasn't until I learned I wasn't the sharpest worm in the shed that I burned that bridge that I got to. I agree. LGB. <laughs> yeah, he does agree. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. John Hoyle. <laughs> only a meaningless war will work for the Dems. Now it's coming. Yeah. I, that's probably one it. thing I wanted to talk about tonight and maybe I'll get to it on my own later in the week. Speaking of war that's coming, there's some polling out from Rasmussen this last week that talks about attitudes of Democrats and what they want to see done. It's They're Nazis. I saw Tim pool. That's that. the, that's the, um, the poll. Yeah. That there's, I believe it's a majority of Democrats. 59% favor restricting the unvaccinated to their homes under penalty of law or under like national guard enforcement. Uh, Almost a third of them said they favor removal of children from the custody of unvaccinated parents. (gasps) And you want to talk about who's starting what war. There is no option, but war under such circumstances. I don't say that with any sort of eagerness. I'm not looking for that fight, but you're telling me I can't leave my home and you're going to take my children. There is no other hill to die on. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. What do you want me to do? Maybe hot Robert Malone is right about that. 
We have to stop them before they take our kids. Yeah, he's it's probably weird he that I find him attractive. In a Santa Claus kind of way. He he's like hot Santa. He does have a nice beard. It's really nice, but yeah. he's also very old. So I probably hmm. uh, trapped in the world. Did I already read this? No. Looking to buy a car right now was going to get a used one, but they're the same price or more than new because it takes two months to get a new car. Want to get the purchase done because inflation. Yeah, I just bought my first new car in my whole life recently. When did you do that? It was like, oh, I don't know, six months, a year ago, something like that. Oh, okay. So maybe before like the drastic shortage. If you look yeah. now, there there aren't any on the lots. We've tossed around the idea, but there's like two cars. So you better like one of them. My baby had been born. Ah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare situation trying to buy a car. So we're just, we'd sort waiting. of like to, but we're just not going to do it because- it's so new, expensive. New cars are really waiting. hard to come by and you're going to get ripped off on a used car. So why oh, yeah. do it? Uh, Biden's ask rack. I'm back for blonde to say my name for the first time this year. I also agree. Let's go, Brandon. Come get a vaccine. You will get COVIDs too. No joke. That was four days ago. Five days ago. <laughs> Thank Let's you. Let's go, Brandon. Joe Patterson. So if the Supreme Court has decided that mandates were unconstitutional, why can those forced to take the vaccine not sue those responsible for imposing those mandates upon them? Why can't they? I mean, I don't, couldn't they? They would have to prove um, that their health problems or their loss of income or whatever was directly related to the vaccine. And that'd be really difficult because yeah. the health problems are going to roll out much later. Ask a lawyer this question because I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't know is the answer to your question. I don't know, but it is frustrating. I'd imagine it has something to do with the claim or the the idea that it wasn't technically illegal. Like it wasn't. It wasn't. It was illegal. It was unconstitutional, but it hadn't been adjudicated as such. Correct. Right. So. So they're going to say that it was the business's um, choice. Yeah, something like that. But of course, we're not talking about the legal technicalities. We're talking about in the practical sense, just. In a general layman sense, coercion was applied to these businesses and forwarded to the employee. And it was later determined to be illegal. So yeah. I don't understand. It's like uh, in any other context, in the criminal setting, well, you're not a murderer until you're convicted, but you still get punished after the conviction. In this case, I don't know if a criminal accusation uh, is the accusation criminal or is it some kind of like civil liability? I don't know. But the point is in all the other contexts, you violate the law and there's some kind of accountability, some accountability, kind of punishment, right. some kind of right. consequence. In this, I guess it's just the only accountability is the election and or impeachment. That's yeah. the accountability mechanism. But that's and that, I don't mean to undersell that because it's an accountability mechanism for the country. But excuse me, what about the specific individual? That's what sucks. There's no remedy for the specific person who was wrongfully harmed. Well, I suppose they made their own choices too, though. I guess. But um, again, it's like, that's kind of, that comes back to the Kagan Sotomayor thing. It's like, if the bully tells you, give me your lunch money or I punch you in the face, all of the choices presented to you are illegitimate. Right. Even the choice true. to walk away, you don't necessarily have a moral obligation to do. You should be able to stand your ground, but you didn't even have that. So the choices, yeah. like you made your own choices, but the choices were fundamentally Shitty, wrong. Yeah. That's definitely true. Um, Semper Ad Melior. Liberals, first they close down all the restaurants, then they wonder why grocery stores are making huge profits. Unbelievable. Yeah, that too. Uh, that didn't occur to me either. 
uh, Esoteric Unbound. You guys should watch Jordan B. Peterson's rant, It's Time to Live. You may call him a grifter, but on many issues of liberty, he's willing to stand up in front of the state and mainstream media BS train and yell, stop. But is he? But does he practice that in his life? Does I he think, really? I think that he does, uh, generally. And even if he doesn't, um, you don't, you do the best to practice what you preach, you know? And sometimes yeah. there are failings in that. But just because you failed to completely live up to the life that you advocate. I don't think that that means that you're dishonest or a liar. I think sometimes it means you make mistakes. You do the best you can. I agree that there have been some mistakes that I would have liked to see a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. Atonement for, if you want to put it that way, a little more. Uh, he's controlled opposition. <laughs> All right. You absolute son of a bitch. <laughs> Hold him. All right. If you had to choose German potato masher or American pineapple did i just say something really racist <laughs> no those are uh if i'm understanding the reference correctly those are grenade designs of the world war ii era oh really and i don't i've never tossed a grenade so i wouldn't be able to oh. tell you which is more effective uh the potato mashers aesthetically are pretty cool though those are the ones that are on like the stick if you've ever seen them no you grab the german grenades had like a stick and you throw them by the stick they're pretty cool huh, that's smart i've got a german replica in the living room actually my brother had a replica mm. that's still around so people oh. are still so polarized regarding Jordan B. Peterson. It's like mm. every other comment is like, right on, grifting piece of shit. Fuck you, blonde. <laughs> it's, people still are just incredibly polarized yeah, on him. I get it. Uh, Calwin58, my employer thought they were doing me a solid by giving me a 4% increase over the last year's pay. Then <laughs> there was the little matter of the 7% inflation. Yeah. Maybe even less buying power now. That sucks. Well, thank you for, yeah, thank you for supporting the show, uh, yeah, despite that nonsense. But yeah, it, it's, you think that you're doing well, you think you're being rewarded by your job and you come out behind. How frustrating is that? But, uh, yep. but congratulations it's, regardless. It's, it's still, you know, there are silver, there are positive ways to look at that. You can ascend your work in, in the workplace and you can make something of yourself despite the illegitimate, unjust forces of the world against you. And, and you yep. should. Angel Spawn, don't forget that the Fed gave states enough UI to range $15 an hour. Um, so all these minimum wage jobs are now having to cover the extra wages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They have, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of increase in, in low wage job increase in the in the um, wages for low wage jobs. I and mean, even like, um, dude, you can go work at Walmart in this town for like 20 bucks an hour now. Oh, or yeah. go work at McDonald's for 15, 16, 17 bucks an hour. Our McDonald's is a sign that says uh, need, like hiring now 40 grand a year. So, you know, when I end this stream and I quit to go uh, head down to McDonald's or Walmart, you guys can come say hi. And you yeah, can really. uh, give me your Matt and I once made love super chats through the uh, through the drive through ordering uh, mm -hmm. microphone there. Yeah, but he won't wear a mask. Uh, Eric, yeah, I won't says, do that. And I won't the get chicken. vaccinated for Ronald McDonald either. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. The chicken doesn't come from Seattle. It comes from Longview, Washington. I don't know where that is. There's a massive foster processing plant there. I'm a truck driver and that plant services a lot of the Pacific Northwest. Oof, I don't want to think about where my food comes from. Could be. I know there's a lot of, um, a lot of the problem with our region is Salt Lake too. Most of the grocery ah. supplies come from Salt Lake for us. I don't know about for you. You might be more like Seattle type stuff, but our stuff comes from Salt Lake. And uh, it's a mess down there, apparently, too. Um, pee pee poo poo man, Mary Jogger Miss Eve, everybody. What? What is that? What's because it's Martin Luther King Day tomorrow? Oh, yeah. I was thinking there was some Kwanzaa leftover or something. 
Uh, nope. Uh, last one is Logan Orr. Being a Marine, I got to meet uh, R. Lee Ermey, pro- once probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. That's so cool. I listened to some interviews with him because I wanted to get a sense for how much his real persona matched the character. And he actually is much more gentle, much more soft-spoken. So it's not like he was walking around like that with people, uh, getting in people's faces like that all the time, obviously. Right. But he talked about how he talked about how well he was able to play that character. He said, we have to understand that at least in the era, all those drill instructors were actors. None of them are really that big of dicks. None of them are really that big of hard asses to everybody, but you have to adopt that persona to fill that role to condition those men. So was I good at acting this, this role, I guess, but really I acted that in the real military setting. That's how it worked. Yeah. And it's interesting to see him reflect on that when he was probably, I don't know, he must have been at least 60, 70 years old in this clip. But yeah, I, I didn't know much about him. I recognize him. And now I know that's the role that made him famous. Uh, but it, 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 if only to to get an understanding of that character, it was a worthwhile right. movie to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we left off with incompetent hands over on tippy stream. We'll catch up with the rest of them. Thank you guys over on D live. Appreciate your support over there. Let's see. We have a couple here. Tinfoil hat says to clarify, we went to urgent care first and they refused to give her anything for her symptoms. This was the super chat about the swollen throat earlier. Uh, the, when they went to the hospital and they couldn't get help. Um, so they they wouldn't give her anything for her symptoms like we like we would for any upper respiratory uh, virus. They said there is no treatment for the coof. Oh, <laughs> is that so? Yeah, well, really. I, I I laugh at this the ridiculousness of the situation, not at the condition. I hope um, I, I hope that uh, your family is well, and I hope this uh, it, this whole nonsense is quickly behind you. So here's hoping for a quick recovery. And thanks for supporting the show. Phil says blaming the Brits for a Pakistani holding Jews in Texas hostage. I was, uh, it's, it's pretty much par for the course for the current year. It's also tiresome. Um, why did we have to import this, <laughs> import this blood feud to our shores? Um, Phil as always has faith that that, that uh, feud, that fight is going to be quickly resolved. If we all just learn to get together and be compassionate, Phil, sees it just uh, on the horizon. We're quickly getting there. Phil also says with MLK day coming up tomorrow, I'd encourage the audience not to celebrate in the traditional fashion. Don't go to any mostly peaceful protests. <laughs> Come we gotta get the, the MLK defamation. Don't rape any women. Oh my God. He did. He <laughs> rape. Yeah, probably. I had, I've never heard those accusations. I'm going to have to consult the experts to fact check that one, Phil. Uh, okay, so Phil Phil has some additional critical words. Thank you, Phil. Gunnery Sergeant Hartman says, Private uh, Christensen, <laughs> what are you trying to do to my beloved uh, five wiki movie? You had best unfuck that movie review private or I will unscrew your head and shit down your neck and then watch uh, episode zero. Well, please don't watch episode zero. I beg of you. Well, here's what I'll say in defense of my mediocre review. Give me 
more Hartman for the whole movie, it's probably a four into a five. He's a great character. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed the movie when he was in it. When he died, which I was, I had no spoilers on. I was totally shocked. Yeah, by I that. did not know that was going to happen. Yeah. When he died, the movie kind of died for me. That was, yeah. there wasn't a lot of enjoyment after that. So don't be mad at me. Be mad at the director or the writer for killing him off too early. And in a way that didn't really have any meaning in the meaning, second half. Yeah. Maybe it was just like the, the madness uh, yeah. going mad. One more try. Knuckle, hunky, buck. Dummy rounds are great for practicing quick mag loading, chambering, and dry fire exercises. Sure. There you go. I keep uh, mine spray painted red and will never load live rounds because uh, it's my dummy round mag. Only either that or I just yell cold gun. Well, that's the rust proven, uh, proven effective methodology. Um, but yeah, the only time I've seen them is, is like what you're describing. The, the, the fake rubber plastic type stuff. Never seen a dummy round that looks that's made to look like something you'd see on a set that's made to look like a real cartridge. They're always yeah. very distinct. So I assume that's what they were working with, not red plastic or something like that. But um, thank you, Mr. Buck, as always. And um, we are all set if we're good on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me see. I think we are. Okay, well, thank you guys, as always, for hanging out ah. with us tonight. We still have two more, sorry. Oh, well, false start. Carry uh, on. Mostly Peaceful says, MLK Day is only three-fifths of a real holiday. And Holden Mulroy says, Gandhi, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Me, you should have seen me before Christ. That's the hmm. last one. I apologize for the false start. All right. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate uh, live chatters and super chatters and everyone hanging out with us live tonight. And uh, if you're listening later on demand, appreciate you for tuning in as well. If you're looking for more to listen to, there's plenty more over on the audio platforms. We have the call-in show replay. We have interviews. Um, you might not find on YouTube extra material like that. It's all on the audio platforms linked in the description and on the website. And speaking of the website, if you're looking for anything show related, looking for merch, looking to get in touch with us, looking to find fellow listeners, or just looking to find the show, it's all on the website, mattchristiansonmedia.com. We'll be back next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd, it is not Meet the Press. It's the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night. Bye, guys.